back to Pixels and Pints, where we're going to talk some video games, TV shows, movies, in a little bit more depth this week, and drink some tasty Australian beers. I've got all Australian, I think. I think I shouldn't say that before I read them properly. We almost always do. Yeah, almost always. Uh, drink some tasty Australian craft beers, and uh, that guy that Ed just sent a picture through about his newspaper article can go get fucked, because we're going to use all those descriptions, and uh, he can go fuck himself. Uh, if I could care to remember his name that Ed sent through, that uh, we'd we'd call him out and shame him. But uh, Wanker yeah, McWankstain, I believe his name was. <laughs> <laughs> the third. Uh, so I'm Dan. I'm joined tonight by our audio curator, Pete. Howdy. The one who spends so much time <laughs> dealing with all of our bullshit and editing. <laughs> and Tom, who creates most of those problems in the bullshit and editing. <laughs> <laughs> Hello, everybody. <laughs> Oh, fuck. Uh, and poor old innocent Dan in the corner. Yes. Yeah, oh, yeah, yes. Poor innocent, yeah, innocent yeah, Dan. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yes. Hey, Dan's never told, the one at fault. You told me it was my intro, so I get to give myself whatever <laughs> intro I like. Just because you okay. were in there first today and we didn't have to wait 40 minutes to figure out your microphone <laughs> and your fucking camera. Yeah, yeah, that's it. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's Sunday afternoon here. It's... It's pretty pretty warmish where I am. I don't know it's about you guys, but sweaty in my studio. Yeah. I am yeah. sweating it's like a, a priest in a playground. It's a it's a <laughs> nice uh, nice nice Sunday afternoon to have a couple of uh, tasty beers and talk some shit. Which we sound oh. like we're uh, right on point oh. already. So. <laughs> Thomas' face just turned into a cat's asshole. So <laughs> I think oh. he can go first. Oh. Yeah, this is fantastic. Um. I am drinking Al Dente uh, from Sombresa Fermentary and Blendery, uh, who I'm sure we've never had on the podcast before. They are from Kensington in Victoria. Um, And this is, it is obviously 3rd of December, so I'm three days into my my Canvent calendar. Um, I'm doing my first two beers are from both my little Advent calendars. Uh, So this was made in collaboration with Carwin Sellers in, in Melbourne. Uh, they have a, it's a blend of barrels aged on red currants and cranberries. And this is a blend of five barrel fermented saisons, aging from seven months to three years old. It's conditioned on a blend of local red currants and cranberries at a rate of 250 grams per liter for seven weeks. And it says it's fruit driven, bright and tart with integrated funk. And it is tart. Whoa. Like and we could that, read that, that from your face. That was warhead level. Like <laughs> every arm oh, salivating. It is. It is like the currents are coming straight through. The cranberries really like bright and tart and dry as well. It's really drying. Ah, mm. oh, and just the color on it. Like yeah, have oh, a bang yeah. on that. Yeah, this is fantastic. If they don't re re release this as like a limited run, I'm, I'm would hope they'd have extras left over. Um, oh, this is this is fantastic. Um, I got to be in the mood for a saison. I have to say, just because that that farmhouse. Funk I normally too. don't like the. This is definitely more 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 puckeringly sour. Like, yeah, I'm not getting heaps of that that Frenchy. You know, not going to get into it. The, the Frenchy. <laughs> <right> <laughs> um. Yeah, but, this is definitely coming are, through. Sorry. Yeah. Go ahead. No, this is just this is more like. This, yeah, I'm sure they probably use the saison yeast and stuff, but it it it's not carrying that particular flavor flavor through. I'm not getting all that funkiness. I'm getting. Yeah, just really like bright fresh fruit and like uh, like heaps of yeah really puckering sour. That is that is fantastic. That's exactly what I wanted on the day like today. Yeah, that is cracking. That is 
five fucking stars. Five? Wowzers. Five. What a, Straight off what the a bat. start. Yeah. What a start. Um, Saison's traditionally a ale style, isn't it, with Saison yeast? Is that what makes a Saison a Saison, essentially? Yeah. Yep. Yeah, it's a particular yeast strain. Yeah. Yeah, okay. So so I guess you'd probably be getting less of that farmhouse funk as you kind of change it from an ale into, the nose. A, into a it's, sour ale. Yeah, but it's definitely oh, sour as all fuck. It's great. <laughs> Yeah, like I said, I got to be in the mood for a for a straight up saison. But that could be soured from the being in the barrel, not from an actual souring, like a kettle souring process or a mash. They may have, yeah, it may have fermented with the black currants. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. It might have picked up some fruit, some wild wild yeast from the fruit skins, and who yeah. knows? If there's no description, uh, it's literally it's just this. Yeah, fruit driven, bright and tart with integrated funk. Yeah. Like there's, yeah, you get a bit of that funk on the nose, but. Wrap your lips around it, and it's uh, yep, it's coming back again. <laughs> you know, it's right I've, up in the gums. <laughs> I've actually yeah. never done an advent calendar. I really should. Uh, Anywho, uh, Dan, fun. Uh, I've had this one. I actually have had I've had all these beers sitting in my fridge for for weeks, and been staring at me in the face. I've got Molly Rose uh, Raspberry Lamington, so raspberry and coconut. Raspberry and coconut sour. Uh, Molly Rose are from Victoria, and they're quickly becoming one of my favourite up and coming. Or I should, probably shouldn't call them up and coming. They've been around for a little while now, but all their releases that I've tried have been great. This is really tasty. It's a really nice light raspberry sour. It's got a it's got a reasonable sort of mid level tartness to it. Really good fruit character. Super clean too. Not getting too much coconut, which I would have really liked to to sort of come through on the back palate. Uh, so I think it could use a real boost there. But the it's nice and fresh and lightly tart and exactly what I needed for this uh, for the for the warmer weather just to get started on. So I think I think that's a good four. Yeah. Okay. I'm not going to go quarter points here because I don't think it deserves a three seven five, but I don't think it deserves a four two five either. So I'm gonna I'm gonna go on a four. Nice. Yep. What so do you got, we've Pete? finally broken him. Uh, I'm also drinking a Molly Rose. Mm. Uh, this is one of their Rattlers. I had um, that the other day. It's, I mean, this, it'd kill Tom, but mm. it's fucking not I bad. Know. So as soon as you pulled up the label, I was like, nah, it's poison. Nah, <laughs> it's poison. <laughs> yeah. I, I had it the other day when I was looking for something light as well, just because uh, only like 2 point something. 2.9%. Yeah. 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 It's, um, I've had, I've had their heaps Mandarin rattler before, which is another low arc. Um, I think there's a third one. I just saw when I was looking it up on Untapped. There was a, a a pink label, so obviously they've done something with raspberry or strawberry or something. Um, this is really fucking good, actually. It's you can get just a touch of the jalapeno spice, um, and then lime juice, lots of lime juice. Um, yeah, super refreshing. I mean, it's inoffensive. It's Surprisingly flavorful, given how like the low ABV on it, it's not thin as you get with a lot of low alk beers. Now, I I think Rattler, Rattler's is Rattler not the style? Is it a style that is naturally low alk, or is this a particular? Is this specifically brewed to be low alcoholic? They're traditionally lower alcohol. They're they're like um, I think they refer to them as like bicycle beers. Uh, so they can go take them out. Well, I'm on my drink. penny farthing. Yeah, yeah. <laughs> <laughs> well, literally, yeah. <laughs> I had some and um, and uh, and not be too intoxicated to drive. And it, and it's meant to be hotter weather, hotter weather, spring, summer. 
um, beers as well. So yeah, yeah, traditionally lower elk. That's that's really fucking solid actually for a starting beer. I'm going to give that four as well. I'm I'm impressed given what it is. It's not the best beer I've tried, but at two point nine percent to get that much flavor out of it, that's kind of making me want a margarita though with all that lime juice. Just you know. Drop a shot in yourself. <laughs> I've got some Contro somewhere. And, uh, is it Contro? It's the uh, orange liqueur. Yeah, Contro. You, yeah. To the, you don't want that. You want a Tommy's. You want a Tommy's margarita. Just double shot of tequila, agave juice, <laughs> lime. Don't fuck around with Contro. Those oranges to piss off. Anyway. I'll tell Sorry. You what, <laughs> what happened there? Yeah. Where am I? <laughs> uh, don't use margarita mix as my advice in life. Every single time I've tried margarita mix to mm. shortcut, it's Feral no. as fuck. No. Anyway, let's kick off with some news. Let's do it. We interrupt this broadcast with some breaking news from the front. That's a solid round of beeries. I'm happy with that. Well done, everyone. Um, we've been talking about this for a while. We're going to continue talking about it because fuck you. There's nothing you can do. Um, it's going to but- continue happening too. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> No, well, there's there's nothing you can do if you're going to continue listening to us, but there's also nothing you can do if you're a consumer of, of media. Um, so PlayStation are about to delete a bunch of shit from your your PlayStation library, even if you paid for it. Um, so Discovery has been purchased by uh, Warner Brothers, which is just a fucking stupid acquisition anyway. Um, but due to licensing, um, PlayStation is now removing all Discovery Channel shows, including Mythbusters and a fuck ton of others. Um, now, Discovery pump out a bunch of low-cost low value TV series, I would argue. I think um there was one called Pregnant Behind Bars was a TV series that came <laughs> up in the list. So you can kind of get the idea for some of the stuff. But then Mythbusters was like a Phenomenal. generationally defining Phenomenal. fucking mm. TV series, right? So um but this is just this this is just the continuation and it's at early days for you realizing that you don't own your fucking content and yep. that these studios will just delete shit whenever the fuck they want and there's nothing you can do. And in the old days, you used to be able to say, I'll just buy it on disc, but now we're not even getting discs. So, you know, fuck you, consumers. However, yep. the, the seven C's, I believe, is the way to go. And that's, and that's you know, and that's where they're pushing us. <laughs> there's a YouTube clip that keeps popping up in my list to watch and it's titled, Why Piracy Will Always Win. <laughs> I haven't watched just- it yet, but I'm starting to get interested in it. <laughs> For a while, streaming really killed piracy, right? In a big yeah. way. And then yep. they've just all they've done is taken us off the teat of buying discs, and then now they're back to fucking us in the arse. So we're back to, yeah, unfurling the Jolly Roger that's been in the back cupboard for a couple of years. Tom, next one's yours, mate. That was a description and a half that I'm going to just leave alone, <laughs> especially after we're talking about pregnant behind bars. Um, and, we're, and we're getting we're getting into dick and ball jiggling physics later on too. Hot diggity jiggle, damn. Jiggle. It uh, good old Elon Musk. He's just continually fucked over X and Twitter. Fuck um, that guy, honestly. Oh, God, he's just he's, what he's funny to watch, though. It's kind of funny to watch him implode. It's like watching a, a civilization like, yeah, die almost, in slow yeah, motion. Yeah. Um, but you can no longer share your stuff from your PlayStation directly to Twitter. Um, doesn't really matter because the PS app is actually really good now at getting your captures. Yeah, it is. It um, is. Yeah, even so I can use it. 
I know. That's, now that's, that's the fucking real, saying something. That's the real miracle. That's the real if miracle right If there. it's easy enough for me to install an app and it yep. doesn't have me jump through a thousand fucking hoops before I get there and I can actually get clips in that off there, yep. it's, uh, it's got to be saying something. It's, but there, that happened November 13th, so it probably only affected some streamers. It's, you know, that's the only people it really would affect. Uh, I used to steal my, like, platinum clips from that, but I can get them straight from the PS app now. So, um, oh, well, thanks, Twitter. I'll still occasionally look at you for boobs because that's all you're good for. <laughs> um, in well, some good I like news. To, I like to see what the, the latest craziness is from, from certain political persuasions. Oh, yeah, that's, yeah, you get out that's, that's Twitter rabbit, rabbit holes there. Yeah, yeah, that's <laughs> like, yeah. Anyway. Um, in some good news, though, and I think this is excellent. So um, PlayStations uh, were part of the Playing for the Planet Alliance, which is a commitment they made to the UN. Um, so they've created the Alloys Forest Project. Which um, I've got to say, after my very, very off-the-cuff comment around uh, Aloy in VR mm. in the um, Call of the Mountain or whatever it's called. Call of the Mountain, that's, yeah. Yeah, Aloy's Forest Project is not what I thought you were talking about when I first read that. Ah, copy, right. Yes, chef. Uh, say no more. <laughs> um, anyway, Aloy's Forest Project. I'm definitely missing something here, so we might take this. <laughs> we might we might continue Offline. this conversation later. <laughs> yeah. Oh, dear. Um, so... <laughs> What it's this the, basically the next, is next end generation of, of PlayStation VR video games. Stop it. Stop it. We're talking about a good thing. Um, <laughs> Sorry. Basically, what they've done is uh, if you earned certain trophies, specifically the Reach the Daunt trophy in Horizon Forbidden West, um, they would then go and plant a certain amount of trees. So it's helping wow. with reforestation. Uh, they have since when did Horizon? That was February, wasn't it? That came out. For the Forbidden second West. one. Yeah. February. Oh, it feels like longer than maybe that. Maybe last yeah, year, maybe the end of last year. It does feel like longer than that. Somebody Hang look on. that up. But since since that game has come out, if you got up to that Reach the Daunt trophy, depending where you are in the world, there were certain um, initiatives that would then go and plant trees. So they plant over uh, 600,000 new trees. Wow. Um, and they have uh, 1,800 acres of indigenous lands and wildlife habitats have been restored as a result of this. So Fuck yeah. Well done. February good. last year. Oh, there you go. Okay. So, yeah. But still, that's a lot of fucking trees to plant. And and yeah, to come out yeah. of a video game. Yeah. I mean, that's that's excellent. Yeah. yeah. I, I, I remember seeing this, like, as, like, part of the promotional thing when it came out, and I, like, kind of glanced at it, but I'm definitely going to keep an, an eye on the playing for the Planet Alliance. I think that's a great, a great idea, if, you know, especially someone who goes and hunts trophies now. If there's more games I can go play and someone's going to go plant some trees as a result. Like, mm. do, they, do they take it one step further and every time uh, somebody plays God of War, uh, PS, PS4, that uh, when Kratos cuts one down, they cut one down? <laughs> Hopefully right. not. <laughs> <laughs> Atreus kills a deer. Kind of. We were, we were, headed, take, we were he- headed in the right place <laughs> and just as we got to the targets. <laughs> hey, Atreus, he well, Atreus, Atreus kills the deer and some poor intern goes, oh. <laughs> 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 Hey, we got um, the good news, and I agree. It's excellent news and well done. I just needed to add a bit of <laughs> something in the end. Dan's continuing in a mischievous in the, mood. <laughs> yeah. Continuing in the in the kind of the good news stories, um, Electronic Arts has made a bunch of their tool sets uh, open source to help with accessibility issues. So they've got a bunch of patents um, for video game systems that help with accessibility for people that are, are handy-abled in various different ways. Um and they've they've basically made them open source, so other video game studios can now use EA's toolset 
Um, so the latest one is a system called Iris, which is a machine learning system that basically analyzes video game footage looking for photosensitivity triggers for people with epilepsy. Um, oh, wow. That's cool. Yeah, so it's 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 using artificial, you know, AI or ML is machine learning is kind of an extension of artificial intelligence, but it uses yeah. it to to kind of look at it frame by frame, and it's looking for specific patterns of lights flashing, uh, two body flashings, that that sort of stuff. Um, it's also uh, they've got a bunch of other stuff out there, so and it's usually based on on machine learning again. So hmm. um, there's systems that will suggest. Uh, controller configurations based on usage patterns and 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 common um handicaps or you know you know people missing fingers or people missing hands those sorts of things um uh, certainly around uh color blindness or or color desensitivity and it's not truly blindness for the most part um those sorts of things so there's a bunch of different systems that they've now released as open source which i think is cool yeah the um the playstation access controller releases on the 6th it's the third today so next week Hmm. And yeah, yeah watch, the, cool. watch an un- unboxing video of that. It's just like, wow, it's super easy to like to set up for whatever you need to set it up for. It's just clip off magnets. It's all clip off magnets. It's great. So yeah, can't wait I mean, to see some reviews of that, like people actually using it and how actually how accessible it is. Obviously, some smart industrial designers out there because it would have been super ironic to have a, a controller specifically to help people with disabilities and then make it fucking impossible to adjust it. Right. So yeah. I'm glad that they found ways around the obvious of not needing a fucking screwdriver and an Allen key. Or even just like clipping things in to keep yeah. buttons on or stuff yeah. like that. Yeah. Mm. Um, so Ubisoft hasn't read the story of Pandora and is trying to unleak the remaster of Beyond Good and Evil. So, so they haven't played God of War 3. <laughs> so, so, <laughs> yeah. So, so they fucked up themselves. Uh, apparently, anyone who was an Ubisoft—I I don't even know what this is. It must be an American thing, but uh, an Ubisoft monthly subscription service it obviously must give you access to all the Ubisoft back catalogue of games, maybe. Yeah. Which you get as part of like the PS Deluxe. You've got a, the Ubisoft catalogue, but like, it, like I guess in Australia, for example, we've got a bunch of streaming services like on for TV, like Binge, that includes most of the content that you would mm. get from like a Paramount Plus subscription and a yeah, yeah. AMC Plus subscription. So I suspect in America, it's a lot more granular than it is over here. Yeah. Okay. Although, mind you, they pay eighteen US dollars a month for the Ubisoft subs, so it might be more granular, but it's certainly not fucking cheaper. Anyway. Right. If you're a subscriber, they gave you access to their brand new 4K full remaster of the original Beyond Good and Evil, uh, mm. and and then realized they done fucked up and didn't mean to release it until next year. Uh, ah. But it was a little too late because a bunch of people had already played the fuck out of it and yeah, have I was gonna say, uploaded a shit ton of it. Yeah. yeah, yeah. So there's a bunch of clips up on YouTube already for their game that hasn't officially been released. Um, meanwhile... Larian dropped a huge uh, Baldur's Gate 3 patch, uh, patch 5, which I've just installed. Um, it Did you fixes- have to uninstall your game to reinstall it? Because no. that was the official advice from Larian because they said it's so big that you it's might have to actually. Gig. Yeah, but on top of the actual like original game file, they, they suggested their official suggestion was it's probably easier for you to delete <laughs> the game off your console <laughs> and just re-download the whole thing. Wow. Yeah. No. Um, I, la- I laughed long and hard at it. I was like, that's great. That's no. why I've got a 25 gigabyte uh, download sitting in my Steam download uh, library. Yep. Yep. Um, yeah. Yeah. Uh, it's uh, no, for me, it was fine. Um, I did notice they released a second, unre- like an unpa- un- unnoted 
patch today, so version okay. 5.2. So I suspect they've probably fixed some some sort of issue that was caused by patch 5. Yep. But like the, the patch notes, and I'm not going to read them, but the patch notes are pages, pages, and pages long. Um, some of the some of the high level like highlights, uh, they've added an entirely new section at the end of the game called the epilogue. Uh, I and I'll talk more about it at the end of the episode. But I've just finished the game for the first time, and mm-hmm. I do have to agree that once the story ends, it kind of just it's kind of halting. It's just kind of roll credits, and it's like, but hang on, there's a whole bunch of conversations with all my characters that I really wanted to have that I never got to kind of close the loop on things. Yeah. So right. they've added an epilogue that is directly addresses that specific issue okay. to give you a sense of closure with your allies. Um, they've added a new difficulty mode called Honor Mode, which if it's anything like Larian's previous games will be ridiculously difficult and will automatically delete the save game if you have a party wipe. Yeah. Uh, lots of performance improvements, um, dynamic resolution for PlayStation 5, yep. new language, uh, Korean... Um, and then just a shitload of little tweaks to rules, the way that things work, and yeah, and the dick jiggle physics, <laughs> which I think is fucking hilarious. Somebody, how wiggle, did wiggle, somebody wiggle, notice wiggle. that? So, so apparently now they've added jiggle physics. It's the, to- it's the first thing I'd notice if I, my character was running along. I'd be like, his balls aren't jiggling enough. Thank you very much. <laughs> Fix those physics. But but the only way you would have noticed is if you went back to the character select screen, which I guess you can do mid-game because you have a magic mirror in your in your camp. And if you approach the magic mirror, you can change your facial features and hair and colours and lipsticks and yeah. eyeliner and all that sort of shit, tattoos. Um, and you can strip your character naked at any point in the game if you really want to. Um, but in order to see the jiggle physics of your penis and testicles, you would have to strip your character naked in the magic mirror and then flick the mouse around or the controller around so that he twists on the spot enough. That's very specific for somebody to be sitting there checking maybe, it after every some, patch. Yeah, maybe oh, they, they finally <laughs> fixed my schlong. Yeah. Like, maybe, I didn't feel like this game the, was the, perfect. The guitar in the shower, like, you know, just like, having a little strum. <laughs> anyway. So yes, they've they've added jiggle physics. Thank God for modern software development. People um, still are worried that AI is going to take over when <laughs> this is what we focus, focus on is dick jiggle physics. Yeah, yeah, uh, fantastic. Back to you, Tom. Ah, no, this well, this no, could be Dan. No, this, this is my one. Um, yeah. So talking I added about to it. dick and dick and ball jiggle physics, uh, Cyberpunk had it from the very beginning. In the character creation screen, and uh, I guarantee I know that through personal experience. Playing, are there genitals uh, in the Cyberpunk? Yeah, 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 yeah. I remember. I didn't know there I was. That. I remember that. Yep. Yeah, it was the same same yep. kind of outcry when it came out. It was just like, why do we need it? It was just like, who cares? <laughs> Dick and balls. Yeah, I mean, whatever. Titties. Uh, but Cyberpunk's getting another going on the first big base game patch update it got when Phantom Liberty came out uh, three weeks ago. Mm. Uh, that started November. Um, it got a, the base game got a huge patch update there. Uh, with the even if you bought the uh, Phantom Liberty expansion or not, and this Tuesday fifth of December, it gets another massive update that adds content to the base game uh, mm. as well as changing some some stuff around in in uh, Phantom Liberty Phantom Liberty and the base game. So they're, yeah, nice. They're, they're still they're still cranking that massive work out. It's some bug fixes, but is actually additional content, additional. I don't think it's additional missions or anything like that, but it's definitely additional. 
things, social content with other characters within the within the world. So I think that's huge for them to do that. And uh, it 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 is bundled with the ultimate edition that somebody's added there as well. So yeah, which is also so, getting its physical release. Oh, it's oh, getting good. a physical release too, is it? Yeah, yeah. yeah. So uh, yes, yeah, same with, day. with that last big uh, patch update and uh, the ultimate edition coming out, uh, CDPR have. Uh, said they've moved more than 50% or just under 50%, sorry, uh, of their staff over to concentrate on The Witcher 4. So Good. it's Witcher, Witcher Polaris is its code name at the moment. What are the and other half doing? Making well, sandwiches still, for the first still, half? Still still working on the support for Cyberpunk for the moment. Uh, and they, they had a, um, a investor review uh, uh, last week, I think it was, and there's, there's actually a big... You attended, uh, didn't you, Dan? Definitely. There's... In There's, person too, he flew to Poland. <laughs> a 20 or 30 minute uh, behind the scenes documentary that came out on the things that they learnt through their fuck ups on releasing Cyberpunk and it's yep. all come out with this investor review uh, and where they're going forward. So uh, did I'm going to watch it end with we should have just stuck with Witcher? <laughs> I'll, rep- <laughs> I'll report back on that. But no, they're, they're, opening, they're opening CDPR in Boston uh, and the... Ooh. The lead uh, from Cyberpunk is moving to Boston, and they're concentrating on Cyberpunk Two. Uh, so we don't. It's going to be another sp- Ubisoft Montreal versus Ubisoft wherever kind of potentially keep yeah. keep keep the Polish keep the Polish history of Witcher in Poland and move move the Cyberpunk stuff to the Boston the Boston um, uh, the Boston office. <clears throat> so there's a lot going on there, um, mm. and can't wait to hear more about Witcher Four. Even yeah. if we just get a, a little tidbit of information about what's going on there, that would yeah. be fantastic. But the fact that they've moved just under fifty percent and moving more in the in the coming months to over to Witcher Four is a very very good thing. Oh, for sure, absolutely. Oh, remember uh, actually, you on Witcher. Remember how I sent you that thing? I was like, this is weird that Destiny, the game Destiny, was adding yeah. in Geralt content. The, the bathtub. Yeah, I, I realized why. It's because it's the new season they're doing is called the Season of the Wish, and so it's all uh, around the last. It's the like last a connection wish. with the last wish. Yeah, yeah. yeah. Those, no one cares des- about that, Tom. So shut up. Um, just a des- crossover <laughs> that we didn't need. Yeah, the Destiny suits, the de- the Witcher suits in the Destiny look fucking great. Uh, they they do on YouTube. Yeah, but, but that's just. I mean, it's an Unreal Five engine. That's what you're gonna yeah. like. You're gonna expect that kind of quality out of the next Witcher game too. It's just because tech's oh, yeah. changed. Yeah. Um. So not we're not going back. <laughs> so 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 we're not going to do trailer trash this episode. We'll talk about what we'll do with that segment um some other episode, but um just we are going to mention a couple we of took trailers. Took out back of the trailer in. <laughs> took old yellow out. Uh so <laughs> Grand Theft Auto 6 trailer dropping uh 1 a.m. December 6th Sydney time. Thank you for the very specific update <laughs> You there, are Tom. welcome, sir. <laughs> um but wasn't GTA 6 like Kind of leaked uh, like a six months ago. Some of it was, yeah. So, and here's then a trailer over, over, <laughs> over the course of this weekend, uh, a son of one of the developers went in and recorded on his phone and uploaded to to TikTok and Instagram <laughs> uh, some footage of his dad like watching the trailer and how to get your father the, fired. Kids out of the will. Yeah, <laughs> fucking hell. Yeah. Oh boy, there's some true true fucking idiots in this world, isn't there? Yep. Yep. Yeah. So yes. Yep. One AM December six Sydney time if you're bothered to be up for it. Otherwise, just mm. wait until the morning. You can probably watch it in bed still. <laughs> yeah, it's not like the tennis. Yeah. Anyway. 
Uh, there was also a couple of other little trailers. I, I think we're just going to dump. You can go look at them if you if you feel rather than us putting them up. So Mass Effect Five got an in in game engine teaser um, as part of their N seven day, which is November seventh, a little Mass Effect day. Uh, it showed a potential new main character build, very popped collar. Um, didn't look like <laughs> Shepard, so yeah, looked more like what you'd expect like an N seven spy to be like. It was that kind of vibes. Yeah, yeah, they had a trench coat, and- trench coat, massive pop yeah. collar, but still had like the sleek helmet. It looked very sleek, very sleek. But yeah, we're well, sure we'll see more of that in in coming coming months, probably um, <clears throat> uh, maybe even after next this this week. Uh, also, yeah, for the the new um, next South Park game, the Snow Day, um, which is going off the last stick of truth, same kind of uh, vibe. They released a, a new gameplay trailer for that. If is it? I thought interested. it was the um, the the Fuck, what type of game? Like, this is fucking showing my age. What type of game is Fortnite? Uh, Battle Royale. Battle Royale. I thought the Snow Day one was a Battle Royale game. Ah, oh, from the trailer, it looked more like looked more like the story-based stick of truth. I haven't played it. I don't know. Okay. Um, that could yeah. be wrong. Pete's, Pete's frantically Googling, so we've got to fill some airspace, and I've lost the run sheet. Oh, well, no, I've it's, got it right here. I am frantically Googling. You are correct, but... <laughs> Instead of getting my answers, I'm getting all this stupid shit I don't care about, like cookies. When am I going to get a disable all button, you bastards? Uh, can't tell. All new okay. 3D co-op game, Blizzard of Epic Proportions. I don't want to read this shit. I have no idea. We'll let you know yeah. next episode for the one person who gives a flying fuck. It says on Steam, action, action adventure, action RPG. Okay, yeah, but what does it say if you look up fucking Fortnite? I don't know. I don't look up Fortnite. <laughs> <laughs> Play with up to three three friends, use matchmaking, or solo the game with ally bots and battle through snow piled town of South Park. Okay. Um, yeah, actually, it's starting to sound a bit Battle Royale. Yeah. As opposed I, to, I, I mean, if you, I'm sure if you look up Fortnite on, on Steam, it's going to describe it as just a bunch of peds fucking grooming children. It's a pretty short that. Yeah. Um, Fallout 4 got a trailer. <laughs> I like how you <laughs> updated the fucking notes there, Tom. Um, welcome. Fallout Four. Oh, Fallout Four. No, Fallout TV Fallout show. TV Fallout show. TV show. Yes. Is that, we are on the same page, though, Tom. You were talking about the TV show as well. Yep. Okay. Cool. Um. So Fallout TV show. Oh, I got- didn't write that. That's not me. I did. We need to color oh, okay. code our notes. I'm green. I'm sure we green. do. <laughs> okay. <laughs> so yes, Fallout. The Fallout TV series got a trailer. Um, I thought it looks great. What? What did you? Yeah, what I issue it. did you have with it? Uh, okay. So. I mean, the first first thing I noticed wasn't really a complaint, but the the clean blue jumpsuits just don't look don't translate that well in real life. They I were that looked awesome, crisp and perfectly royal blue. Um, inside, we'll see what happens outside the vault. Um, but then you get the cardboard vault door opening, and it was like I'm sure that they probably did a full blown CGI model, and that thing has lots of intricate gears and shit. And then it was just the lens flare from that particular yeah. shot, mm. but it looks so cardboard. It could have been fucking cardboard. Um, and then I just really took issue with the CGI. I think the the uh, the Brotherhood of Steel's chopper things, ornithopters. I don't want they're not ornithopters, but the chopper things mm. um, look too clean, dirty. If that makes sense. So they're perfect objects in three D space with a dirty mask. Um, texture wrapped around them uh and then the brotherhood themselves look like bad video game cg like i've that was some really sketchy tv fucking 3d 
but the desert scenes, the mutants, all that sort of shit look great. But they dog very mate, dog mates back. They they well, very clearly back. hit every iconic Fallout thing they could fucking think of in a big um, montage. The ghoul, of- the ghoul looked fantastic. The ghoul, the ghoul makeup was yeah. great. Yeah, with the missing nose. Yeah, mm. it looked yeah. like a, a, a an amped up better version of Red Skull. Um, yeah. But the mutant bears. The nuking nuking of Washington D.C. Rad roaches, the German chef. Well, um, what's his name? Dead meat. Dog meat. Dog meat. Dog meat. Um, holding a severed fucking hand. Every every iconic scene, and then the music, obviously in the background. Love that music. Yeah, when it switched when it switched from the thematic music to the like the fifties old, I was like, yeah. yeah, well done, very good. Yeah, but you just know that the that was a teaser trailer. You know that the full trailer is going to start with war. War never changes. It has to. Yeah, it has to. Or at least the TV show needs to start with that. You might not need that in the trailer. I would probably save that for yeah, that's the first right. episode. Yeah, you probably um, right. Yeah, yeah. I, did, I I I thought the a same kind of thing that um with the armor in in Rings of Power with the with the yeah. Brotherhood of Steel. It just looked a bit the when he was sitting there in the chopper, it was okay. But when yeah. there were when there was three of them walking towards you, it just and looked it really bad. Because I think it was because yeah. it was in slow mo as well. It, it looked. It reminded worse. me of um. A, a Warhammer Space Marine fucking video game trailer. To be honest, yeah, yeah right. Just anyway, yeah, yeah. it didn't it didn't, carry, awesome. didn't carry didn't carry the weight. No. Um, one of the first comments I saw though was, "Please don't Halo this," and I was like, "Oh, <laughs> oh, oh no." <laughs> yeah. One thing that I took away from it was it wasn't as I, I went into it very skeptical. Yeah, um, I, I like Fallout, but I've never finished a Fallout game, and I was expecting it to be really dumb quippy i mean it still could be but really dumb quippy dialogue and i didn't get that from the trailer the the ghoul says a couple of lines um but it it all felt very uh situationally aware it didn't it didn't yeah. feel like dumb and i know this is to become a bit of a thing bit bit dumb marvel quippy Mm. Uh, it it felt like its own thing, uh, and it felt it felt a little separate. I mean, they could they could still go down that path when we see more. There wasn't that much dialogue in no, it. No, no. Um, if they can just if they can just stick to some of the spaghetti western vibes I got out of parts mm. of that trailer, uh, like I I would happily watch the shit out of it because mm. it is very much set in sand and you know the 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 wasteland of America. So That's, yeah, Vault Thirty Three, which was in San Diego, is where it's yeah okay set, set over there. Compared to like Fallout mm. 4, which was in Boston, Fallout 3 was yeah. what, Vegas? Yeah. Uh, no, that was New Vegas in between Vegas. 3 and 4. That's 3 right, was yeah. in Washington, D.C. because yeah. you were in the Washington Monument for a lot of it. Yeah, right. Um, so they mustn't have nuked Washington. You see how much I know of the American landscape in the trailer. They nuked some other city. Probably I, thought that was, I thought that was, yeah, that was, uh, it looked like L.A. because of the hills. I imagine he was he was riding that horse up near the, near the Hollywood sign or whatever. <laughs> I don't know. Mm-hmm. Mm. Oh well. Anyway, who gives oh, a shit? Important. It's it's all dust now in that TV series. So who cares? Uh, who else wrote the rest of this one? Then since I did. It's all me. Okay. It's all me. Okay. Um, we also got a new trailer for the next Witcher animated uh, film through Netflix, which has brought back Doug Cockle, who was the voice of Geralt in the games. Um, and so that looks, you know, it's the same Netflix animation style. There's a bunch actually of new. Netflix animated trailers, which there was Blood of Zeus season two is coming. Um, if you guys, I can't remember if you guys watched that one. Um, uh, there's the Lara Croft. There's a Tomb Raider one that's coming. Um, so they're Netflix are doubling down on on their their animated stuff, which I think is probably a smart move for them. 
Great. Um, and definitely in that that kind of Western anime style of animation as well. So it's you know it looks like it's it's rushing, but it's not as say like some of the more uh, like traditional Japanese animes when they when they get into some certain movements, it's like really over the top. It's, it hasn't got that far yet, but it's it's getting there. Um, they also it's actually been a bit of a complaint in some of the um, ah. some of the translations that I've seen recently um, of traditional manga into. I think it was real life. There was a a manga one piece. Seri- yes, it was yeah. one piece, and the complaint was it's not over the top enough, and that yeah. the dynamic dynamism of the of the action just doesn't translate well. Yeah, yeah. Well, it's yeah. That's. That's one I've, I've definitely got to sit down and watch that. That's something on my, on my list to watch. Um, we also got a, in the last twelve hours. We got a season four trailer for the boys, which looks yes. as over the top as 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 ever. Gen um, V's reinvigorated my love for that series. Gen V was spectacular. Jeffrey Dean Morgan's in it. Yeah, we're good. <laughs> him him and Butcher having a sit down. I was like, oh, I hope those two get some fight scenes together. That'd be fucking sick. <laughs> yeah. Um, and I didn't watch it because I haven't seen season one. But House of Dragons also dropped at season two, so I'll put that in. I'm going to watch that during the break. Thank you. You're welcome. Um, Game Awards are coming up this week, uh, December eighth. Those playing at home, uh, it'll air at eleven thirty a.m. Sydney time, which is quite a nice time for for a game show. To be honest, usually it's Three or four in the morning, and can't be fucked getting up for that. Uh, they said it's going to be a three-hour show. They said expect some new trailers, but it's not going to be as trailer-heavy as previous years. Um, you'll of course have uh, Jeff Keighley's very punchable face. Um, and, <laughs> you say uh, that every year, <laughs> man. Look at him. Look up. Google a picture he, of him. He Tell does don't want have to punch a very punchable face. Thank you. Face. I yeah. win. I've got um, a punchable personality. He's got a punchable <laughs> face. And then, uh, yeah, we'll see who takes home game of the year. I, I distinctly hope it is. It is Larian. Larian's up for a few. I do um, too. Yeah, I, I wouldn't be surprised if they don't. But I'd, I'd be really pleasantly. They're surprised. also up for. They're up for most of the awards as well. So like, fucking hope they take well, home some silverware. It's good for a small studio to take home the silverware. Fuck yeah, yeah. Um, uh, and speaking of small studios, Bethesda and Todd tiny, Howard, tiny studio, Todd, yeah. Todd Howard <laughs> and his band of 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 people that suck their own cocks continue with their bullshit. Marilyn so, Manson, uh, no. <laughs> uh, was it Prince? Was the other rumor Michael Jackson? Anyway, um, so s- s- their Steam res- Steam review score averages have plummeted. <laughs> <laughs> oh. Dan's folded inside out. <laughs> You're oh, right no. There. You're right there, Dan? Well, Dan's, yeah. Dan's done himself a- Some sort of mischief. A, a calamity. Yeah. <sighs> okay. okay, buddy? We'll get, you want to we'll talk get, about it? <laughs> we'll get through the rest of this news and I'll attack this beer like I did the last one. Okay. We don't have much to go. Um, so uh, Bethesda's- uh, s- Sorry, Steam score for Starfield- has plummeted from a most amazing game ever made to mixed reviews. Mm. And Steam's customer service, have, sorry, Bethesda's customer service have now been replying with multi-paragraph responses to some of the more negative oh, which reviewers. The, which is the worst way to do it. Just, yeah. And and a lot of them are just scripted, like, um, you know, sorry you didn't enjoy our game. Here's all the amazing stuff that you can do. And it reads like a really bad, awkward fucking customer service copy-paste script. Yeah. But some of them are a lot more targeted. 
So here's a shorter oh, example because yeah. there's some really solid fucking ass examples where you just oh, want to punch these yeah. people. But the shorter example was someone complained that Starfield's 1,000 planet galaxy was boring to explore and the rebuttal was, we are sorry that you do not like landing on different planets and are finding many of them empty. Some of Starfield's planets are meant to be empty by design, but that's not boring. The rep then quoted... <laughs> The rep then quoted an interview with director Todd Howard uh, where he said that the moon is completely empty, but the astronauts weren't bored when they landed on it. Oh, for fuck's like, sake. I, uh, <laughs> unless, you have, unless you have the most immersive gaming system, <laughs> nothing is going to compare. your life is literally on the line. Landing on the moon to then guiding your little pixelated fucking hob bodge of a spaceship there. Like, What's it's it? just so tone-fucking-deaf. And it he just, doesn't just care. He's Scrooge-McDucking into his pile of millions. It's just idiotic. Like, to even to even say those sort of things is fucking idiotic. Like, but it just, is. But don't you think it's just it's the, representative the of- What's the song? Uh, oh, I'm out of touch. Yeah, that's the one. <laughs> yeah. Great, great tune. But don't you think it's, 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 like, representative of the current generation of game and, vi- and movie studios- or video uh, movie studios, yeah, and how disconnected they are from their audience, and how 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 many fucks they don't give anymore about the consumer. Because yeah, rewind definitely. twenty years, you would never have. I mean, it's not that you would never, have, but from a huge studio like Bethesda, you would never have seen it because it would have been fucking suicide for the studio. Oh, These days, I, I even say Bethesda at the launch of Skyrim. If Skyrim had had this kind of launch, they would have been on hands and knees begging people to come back. Yeah, if Marvel kept pumping out turd fucking movies the way like 20 years ago that the way they do now but then we wouldn't have an mcu it's just it, no. there's a complete disconnection between consumers mm. and the and content producers these days anyway moving on before we get too political sorry it's but that, that's just like going back to <laughs> tom's comment back. comment on <laughs> yeah yeah i'm pulling it back here for a sec tom's comment there on skyrim if if it had been that and they said and people were saying oh there's there's the like the place is dotted with caves and everything like that but you go in it's a single room there's nothing there but a fucking a wheel of cheese if you haven't seen skyrim wheel of cheese look it up on google uh, on youtube uh it like they would have been jumping in and putting in patches to put in content and expand this content instead instead of going oh yeah well you know what like caves are really just one room and they're empty there's nothing really ever lives in there so you <laughs> have know you what? never explored a fucking cave in real life you uh, dicks uh, exactly is, is they wouldn't have said that back then they would have been like like you said they would have been on their hands and knees they would have been going okay right we're sorry like we just we like so, so here's a good contrast. We'll Sorry, to- more dragon to pop out of the walls when you least expect it. <laughs> really annoy you when you're just trying to get through a cave to the wheel of cheese. But yeah. Sorry to cut you <laughs> off, Dan, but but just to contrast. So so Larian, I found this really interesting. Larian was saying so. There's a particular monster that you fight in Act One that is extremely dangerous, and they it was already dangerous in the original D and D rule set, but they tweak the rules slightly for the video game and may, and and it ambushes you. And a lot of people were online during early access complaining they were getting absolutely party wiped instantly by this creature. And Larian Studios basically said, all right, because of your complaints, we're, we've set up real-time analysis and we're building a heat map of how many party wipes there are on this on this encounter. Mm. And if there are too many, it's de- it's designed to be a difficult encounter. But if we, de- like if we determine through this, this heat map that too many people are dying, we'll tweak the encounter. We'll yeah. change the rules. 
It's complete contrast to mm. no fuck you. You're a you're a dipshit. You don't know what a good game looks like. Our game looks great. Starfield wins. Mm. It's just complete opposites. Anyway, that's just good. Also, that's good stats, Balaran. Great stats. We love some good stats. <laughs> yeah, I actually would be really curious some to see what mapping. that. Yeah, what that heat map came up with. Like, obviously, because I'm guessing they did change it. Uh, uh, I don't know. I didn't play during early access. I just okay. know the no. the Burette or the Buriel is still a just fucking potently dangerous monster to fight. Sounds just, like a drop there. Just Ambush as you me. hit the Underdark. It's one of the first things you encounter in the Underdark. Um, and we will oh, talk. yes, that thing's fucked. Yeah. Um, and speaking of <laughs> <laughs> speaking of heat maps and, and stats, I've actually added a spotlight topic for the future around um, uh, AI and machine learning being baked into video games these days because there's a lot more of that going on in the background than you realize. Stats. <laughs> Load up the stat rifle. Yeah. Let's go. Back um, to you, Tom. Back to me. Last two points and then we'll get into some beers. Um, so Nintendo have officially announced they're making a live-action Zelda film after years of, of rumors and be my what's going to happen. experience with Zelda. Oh, mate, you're missing out. Um, I recently uh, recently downloaded Breath of the Wild because it was Black Friday sale. Got it cheap. Oh, yeah. Uh, it is being directed by the director attached at the moment is uh, Wes Ball, uh, who is behind the Maze Runner series, and he has directed Kingdom of the Planet of the Apes, which is coming out next year. Whoever wrote that red note. Yeah, me. Very angry. <laughs> um, uh, and it will be 50% financed by Nintendo, um, the production, and then it will be distributed through Sony. So there you go. We'll see who they haven't announced anyone who's behind Obviously, I've seen a bunch of fan casting, and I fucking hate most of it. Um, like, there's just you know, you need someone. I, do you want someone to play Link? It needs to be some unknown. Just needs to be an unknown, and he shouldn't fucking talk. Let's go pure ocarina of time. Just wah as he falls. That's all. <laughs> yeah. That's the only thing you need. You'd need um, an in like you'd need an in series law reason for him not to talk though. What? Because but, the whole point of these crossovers Cat, is Cat's to grab Cat's got his tongue. Is to grab more more fans. But for anyone who hasn't played the games and doesn't understand why there's a mute main character, if you don't explain it, it's not going to capture that that audience. I'm pretty sure they they haven't given him like a direct voice in the games. I'm pretty sure, uh, but they've given him like a, a, a text like voice. Yeah. So yeah, I mean, I'm, they they would need to talk. You're right; it wouldn't wouldn't make much sense. It'd be a very mm. bold move of Nintendo to do it. I'd I'd applaud it. I'd absolutely applaud it. Um, but I don't know if they will. Hey, this comes back to my my Sisu and uh, Doom Slayer conversation. I think they can very much do mm. a mm. non a non verbal main character. Yep, just take someone a little bit creative and some visual storytelling. Yeah. Um, and this and Wes Ball, like uh, I, I haven't seen the Maze Runner series, but from what I gather, the reviews I've read of him quickly today, they were like that he's really good at um, adapting like previous run content. And obviously, I've got to be honest, I enjoyed of, it. A ton of ton of lore around Zelda as well. So, um, Maze Runner, I was a kid's. I mean, like a kind of young teen, young, yeah, adult, young adult, yeah, yeah, yeah young, young adult book turn or book series turned into a, a TV the main, a movie the main series. Character dude, like have a hectic car accident, had a hectic accident on set, I think. Oh, yeah. They like enjoyed production. They had to stop production for so long because he had this like super serious, like, I think it was a stunt gone wrong and like, like neck break or something. Like, he was in, yeah, it was a big, it was a few years ago. But yeah, I remember. I mean, I enjoyed the film, but not enough to read the behind the scenes book. So, 
Yeah. Um, but no, the, the films were pretty good. They were a little bit kind of wiggly waggly in terms of plot. They lost yeah. their way and found it again a few times, but it was pretty good. I mean, it's a popcorn series, right? I was about to say, it's young adult fiction, so yeah, that's most of those plots in there. <laughs> yeah. uh, and lastly, some new free games for your PlayStation. Uh, you got Lego 2K Drive, so I'm pretty sure that's building cars in Lego and driving around. How good? Uh, the weird phenomenon that is Power Wash Simulator. <laughs> that's coming. I'm downloading it. Apparently, it's hilariously re- like relaxing. It's just like the amount of people who play it after like a really shitty day and just go, this is nice. Just cleaning, just it's doing just- it. Making order out of chaos. There's so yeah. many channels dedicated to that, and yeah. you know those perfect bricklayers that tap it at the end, and then all the way down the aisle. That's this whole. That's a thing. It's up there with ASMR. Buff cleaning everything, and then Sable. Sable actually, I I think looks really cool. I suggest you guys watch the trailer for that. It's um the art style is like hand drawn but cell shaded at the same time. Um, and it looks kind of like uh, if you guys ever played Journey or like a game like that. So it's you know you're kind of sailing something like a sand sand glider through a, through a desert, and there's a story behind it. So that's definitely one I'm going to get behind. It looks really cool. Um, it's uh it's supposed to be this generation's Journey. Yeah, cool. Journey was great. I loved. I like really enjoyed Journey when I played it. Yeah, never played it. It's super short. It's it was just relaxing. It was very nice. Like like the music behind it was very very soothing. It was nice. End of day, come home, just kind of glide through the sand. But yeah, there, that's it. That's and that's the news. Shuffle my papers. <laughs> cool. Um, all right. Shall beers? we talk about our second beers? Yeah. Sorry, I'm just watching a truck that's way too wide for my street. Trying to get through the street right. without banging into anything. Nice. Um, I, I might go first if that's okay. Sure. Just um, just because yeah. Oh. Um. Just because. Oh. So this is Dangerous Ale's Phantasm Boy. Hey, I've got that too. Yeah. Uh, I think this came in, in a Tom Care package, to be honest, um, from Milton, New South Wales, which is weird because I'm used to saying Milton, Victoria from a past job. But anyway, um, it's a 5% thialized lager. And it's okay. It's, no. I mean, it's, no. it, it's not. It's not okay. It's not in the slightest. Is that the one you're drinking now? Yes. Yeah, right. Fight, 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 fight. It's like you you can certainly get pith and I I, I get more um, grapefruit juice and grapefruit pith out of it than anything else. But it's got this, it's got this twang to it that's very specific. It's it's like- Twang. Yummy ums. I I saved this one for for this just because I've had now three thylized ones, three or four, and the garage project ones, great. The last one I hated that was the one of the dangerous air ones was their Gabs beer one. Yeah, I remember that. You ripped that this, to shreds. <laughs> it, this this to me is exactly the same. I can't stand it. I think it's terrible. I think it's the 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 worst and. I wonder whether this is one of the reasons why it hasn't been more wider spread in usage in the industry. Excuse um, me, sir. Yes? Question, is it is thialized referring to the yeast or hops because my Google search is leading me astray? No, we were talking yeah. about thials before. Um, we had a whole discussion the, about it. The Phantasm, the Phantasm uh, edition that comes from the green, green grape, it's a... After a wine, 
making. It's a green grape extract of some sort that's meant to enhance hop character. Mm. Um, and thiols were the uh, the the organosulfur compounds that make garlic smell garlicky. For example, we we had a I don't know. If, I'm trying to jog your memory because we did have a whole conversation about it. We but did. many yep. many thiols have strong odors resembling that of garlic. Mm. And um, I guess there you go. That's that's probably what I'm getting from from it. It is it it's that it's that really pungent. It's a it's a really over the top vegetal character. Now that you say garlic, that's exactly what it is. It's pulling. It's drawing something out of that hot character that I I think is awful. Your your palate's obviously. I mean, we've talked about this before too. Your palate's a lot more developed than I am. I find the beer on the verge of being. Like it's not offensive. It's 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 not an offensive beer to me the way that it is to you. Yeah, no, but I'm yeah. not I'm not I'm not arguing the di- difference. I'm just yeah, it's just your your palate. You pick it up as offensive, whereas to me it's just a an over the top grapefruit juice and pith with a twang to it that I'm not enjoying. It's not quite metallic. One of the things um just talking about thiols, one of one of the things it does talk about is uh, not all thiols have unpleasant odors. Uh, for example, furin to um, methanthiol contributes to the aroma of roasted coffee, whereas grapefruit mercaptan uh, is a thiol responsible for the char- characteristic scent of grapefruit. So it's probably what we're getting, but it's a it's a synthetic, a synthetically derived natural compound. If that makes sense, so we're manufacturing it. It does, but it does exist mm. in in the free world, in nature. Anyway, um, I'm going to give it a two point five. And Dan's gonna give it his score, and then I guess we'll average it. Um, Which you can now give a zero because of my little speech, because then you can average it. <laughs> yeah. Usually, you can't give a zero in Untapped. You can. You just leave it un- unrated. Yeah, <laughs> uh, I, I think that's where I need to go. I think I need to not rate it. I, I put him down as yeah. a DNF. Didn't finish. Yeah, yeah, there you go, there you go. It's a, it's definitely a DNA Actually, because I, I am. I put not- it as a DNR because did not rate and you know do not resuscitate. <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> Works out well either way. All right, over to you, Tom. Well, I'm going to go and find myself another beer. I'm going to pull out of the uh, thylized. I was just reading about thylized yeast before Dan runs away, but uh, yeah, we'll talk about it later. We'll talk about it off. Um, yeah, I'm drinking deliciousness. Um, I obviously make good choices. Uh, no, I had no <laughs> idea this beer was coming, so this is great. This is the my second uh, advent calendar beer of the day. This is from the Beer Cartel advent calendar. Uh, it's called uh, Dapper. Um, yes, that is tweed, not actual <laughs> tweed on the can. Um, it's New England Brewing. It's a, an extra, extra special bitter. Um, it comes in at 5.5%. I apologize, Peter. I realize I probably didn't say the ABV on my first beer, but I know that you That's wrote fine. it in the show notes. I did. Um, it is a just a... Hands down, ESB. Oh, yeah. It's delicious. It's malty, a little bit of honey in there. Um, there's like, uh, oh, nutty. It, it's nuttiness. Is it chewy? Yeah, chewy. I wouldn't say it's Cause, chewy. Like, cause you're not into kind of the, you're not in the, uh, the red ale kind of territory there. No, no. Like color wise, it looks almost red ale, but no, it is, um, it is definitely, it's, I'd say it's more akin to a brown ale than mm. red. Definitely doesn't have any of that hoppiness you only get with the red ale. Um, it is very well made. It's like this is the kind of beer that I would expect New England to do really well. It's colder climate up there in Urala. Um, yep. 
it is, yeah, this is definitely one I'd happily sit there. Like, you, you want to have a sandwich, like a really nice ham sandwich with this. Like, real, like really crusty bread. Isn't it funny how life just throws random shit at you like that? So, oh. just, just oh, sorry, I'll let you keep sambo. talking about your beer. Yeah. yeah. Love a ham sambo, don't get me wrong. But, like, really soft inner bread, but really, cr- like, thick crust that kind of cuts yep. through for your mouth a little and you really yep. hate it. But, it, yeah. That- but you want the cheese cut like rough and oh, thick as fuck. Yeah, 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 yep. yeah, yeah, yeah. It's old school kind of cheese cut. But yeah, and um, just that with this, it's it's or like a plowman's a plowman's platter. Mm. Like, yeah, mm. it's definitely yeah one of those. You just you feel like you're taken back a hundred years. It's coming up to Christmas, so ham off the bones. You know, yeah, <laughs> that's Don't Christmas get me for me. Started <laughs> <laughs> whole ham in the fridge just for Tom. <laughs> All good. Um, and the yeah, bone is- for the bone for Jasper. Yes, yes. Passed out right next to me. Um, <laughs> yeah. Out of five? Out of five, uh, that's a four and a half. It's very, very good. Very, nice. very good. I, um, again, hope this gets re-released. Uh, this is also nice. This is the, yeah, I'm going to throw some shit at Beer Cartel. This is the first beer. It's been three beers, but this is the first one out of the three that hasn't come like almost syrup-like and snow globy. Like with the amount of fucking <laughs> proteins floating in it, mm. that, yeah, that coagulated protein in that last oh. one that you showed us was pretty bad. And I had one last night. It was it was a mountain culture beer, and it was just like, yeah, what? Like I've had plenty of mountain culture beers, and they rarely have that kind of protein like separation. I don't know if it comes down to their storage, but yeah, look, you've you've it's- bounced back now, beer cartel. So I won't <laughs> won't lay siege to your fortress because I know where you are. And you could get a trebuchet down their driveway. That's just up the road from my place. Yeah. Um, that's who I'm going to have to go to moving forward. Um, but yes, no, so this is, this is very good. Uh, Dan, you probably missed all of it, but I'm having the ESB from New England. Dapper. Oh, nice. Yeah, yeah, okay. Very, very cool. good. Yeah. Goes so. with Dan's hat. You would wear that hey, hat, as I, I was like saying. Oh, I'm that- not knocking it. I've got one just <laughs> like it, but it's actually tartan in the other room. Yeah. I just don't pull it off nearly as well as you do. Yeah. Um, That's that. Really hope cool. to get another release of it. So keep an eye out. Let's move. Let's let's move on to Dan's review of Return to Moria. It's not exactly a mini review, but oh, no, it's a it's a review review. That's why I didn't describe actually, it as a mini review. Uh, I actually had to write notes, uh, which I've never done before. Uh, so yeah, I obviously this was a big one for the <laughs> learning after seven years of doing this or something. <laughs> actually, be semi prepared. Uh, you know, obviously, it came out in the last the last episode or last main episode that I was very much excited for Return to Moria because I like building games and I like Lord of the Rings and I like dwarves even more. So hmm. it was one of those big things. I want to come come up straight and say yes. I'm going to talk about a lot of things that I think were bad about this, but I did actually enjoy my time with it, and I'm Mm -hmm. glad I played through and finished it. It was very enjoyable, and I am looking forward to going back in maybe a year or two if they do some pretty strong patches and updates and playing through again. I I think it's something that they can take on board and actually make it a really standout, solid, uh, addition to that genre of games, but also Lord of the Rings games. Mm-hmm. I think it's one of those big things. The story, the story is pretty basic. It's in there in the title, Return to Moria. The dwarves are heading back to Moria under under Gimli's direction. Why? And why? They, 
why it makes no well, sense? Well, apparently it is taken from some of the law that that they, they did return Give to the Moria. fucking sources. In the fourth age. Oh, I was relying on you for those sources. But apparently it is part of law that they did they did go back at some stage. Uh, I'm not sure if it was led by Gimli. I'm getting the companion not, but, out. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, they, they get, so in the intro cutscene, they get to Moria uh, mm. and the doors are magically sealed. Uh, through some some dark nefarious magic, uh, and so they try and blast their way in, and you end up caught in a blast. That wait, which off. doors do they go through? Sorry, I've got a lot of questions. Uh, I yeah, can't remember. This that. is going to be a that whole was, episode. Nah. That was weeks. That was weeks ago, man. <laughs> I can't remember that one. In in retrospect, this really should have been a whole up late. <laughs> Just Tom like ripping. Yeah, no, I don't yeah, know that. No. Could have been the episode that I was away for. Yeah. Well, I'm I'm going to get away. I'm going to get away from law in a sec. Uh, and the I'll the doors up. are sealed. And that is the that is the main premise of the game is to unlock the unlock the main doors. Uh, you. So it's getting, more like escape from Moria than Return it is to more Moria. like yeah, that's exactly what it is. It is escape from Moria. That's one hundred and ten percent what it is. Because once you're in, there's no fucking way out until you finish it. So that's uh, that's actually did you a design much a dwarf name. with an eye patch then, so he could be <laughs> snake. <laughs> snake snake Pliskin. I didn't think of that. I wish I, should, I wish I did because I would have done black haired and stubble with an eye patch. Because I think you can put an eye patch on him. Yeah, right. <laughs> I, know, I have to look at that. I have to go back into the uh, the dwarf creator and see what happens. Uh, enjoyment, yes, I thought it was fun. Um, the uh, the last area of the game was um, incredibly frustrating. Um, the The whole overall premise of it is set as a building game, but you don't actually have to do that much building or anything because it's not a voxel game like Minecraft. It's not everything is diggable and everything is destroyable. Only certain patches are diggable, and that's all around the ores uh, and moving to the next room because there's collapsed dirt separating rooms. So you got to you got to dig through, and they use it as a a roadblock for story elements that you have to have a yep. better pickaxe to get through compact dirt and stone and things like that. So they use it as a as a uh, as a push to create better equipment as you go along. Um, and there's a wall to not let you move into an area you're not prepared for yet. Yeah, oh, definitely. So yeah, it's a yeah. gate. Yeah, yeah. It's it's definitely a, a design gameplay element. I would have much preferred to have a certain amount of influence on the environment where you are, uh, which is which is a bit disappointing. Uh, so my Friday night crew, Kel, Sui, and Steve, when we all play, we've been playing some building games uh, recently, and we got into Valheim first. And we call it the Valheim Defense. Whichever building game we get into, we call it the Valheim Defense, where we dig a trench around our uh, around our base, and that trench, as our base expands, that trench expands with our base as well. And that, in most building games, is enough for you to be able to defend mm. uh, with a lower number of people a base attack. Uh, you can't do that in this uh, because you can't influence the terrain. So you you have to find somewhere. I don't know how procedurally generated the world is. Uh, I know it is to a certain extent, uh, but I don't know if that's rooms or the way the world looks or uh, if it's a, a bigger influence there. Um, but I found this, uh, this, this point in the second area, which I made my camp, and it had a natural defense. It had about a six-foot natural brick wall with only two points of entry, and I was able to barricade those two points of entry. The 
the the orcs and the goblins can't jump, so you can <laughs> literally have a waist high wall that they can't get over. So I did that and uh, my two points of entry, and I was able to take on sieges on my own. So that I never became in there. So that was that was my Moria defense, finding that natural <laughs> that natural outcropping to build to build on. Uh, it's full of bugs and glitches at the moment my my playthrough so they've only released one patch so far uh and that was to deal with uh some some gameplay element glitches uh around load times and fast travel uh, where it got stuck in load screens uh they actually addressed a few more things that they didn't even put in the patch notes like the exhaustion system was like incredibly frustrating uh when we first started playing uh which leads me to believe and I think I've put this in my notes. I don't know where I've put it. That, you have. Yeah, in this one is they've released this as an early access game. This mm. is they were using day one purchasing people as playtesters because there is no way this game was at its, its so, optimal so level. Yeah. It's, but, I mean, it's much smaller as well. So Yeah. You, Less excuse. Yeah. Um. You, yeah, we just we were used as guinea pigs. We were used as used used as gameplay testers, which is incredibly frustrating because I won't touch the game now for another year A or year. two. Yeah. yeah, until until they fix things. Because I mean, it would be as a, as a solo player, some of them were a little frustrating and could have been game inhibiting. Uh, like where I would load, where I would log out of the out of the game, I wouldn't necessarily load straight back into. I could be literally on the other side of that biome. Luckily, I'd cleared out that biome, so it was a clean run straight back to my base uh, hmm. where I logged out of uh, without trouble. But if I had logged back in and was on the literally the opposite side of one of the dangerous biomes, it would have been completely frustrating or in a harder game, something damn near impossible to get back to my base area to pick up extra supplies to survive that, that biome. Um, luckily, I did it in the sm one of the smaller biomes, the Elven Quarter, uh, and it was pretty easy just to run across. And I'd cleared the area by the end of it, by the time I reached this glitch, anyway. But it would also drop some items um, out of your inventory, so you pick up uh, yeah. you pick up notes from a ranger that had gone through uh, the Mines of Moria, and you find their camp, and you can add the pages of their journal back in, and that mm -hmm. gives you certain crafting recipes and things like things like that as well uh it would just drop them out of your inventory and you would go back to where you logged out and there's an urn that appears when you die where you can re-pick up all your stuff and the pages were just sitting in that urn so there's glitches like that but the two biggest glitches i, I met the two boss fights the two big main <laughs> boss fights one's about halfway through the game and one's at the end of the game completely bugged out like That's were fucked. as as a solo player, the first one I went into, um, I'm not going to spoil what what it's up against, but the first one I went into, I fuck a Balrog because then I'm yeah. gonna I'm gonna go punch someone in the fucking throat. No, no, it's, it's, it's gonna it's be a, a troll. troll. Yeah, yeah, it is. It's a troll. It's it's the, a, they it's have a troll. troll. It's the troll king. <laughs> it's the troll king. Um, and I prepared for it. I created a a a teleport point back to my camp right at the mm -hmm. right outside the boss fight. I went and dropped everything that I didn't need. I loaded up on like shields and arrows and everything to go into this boss fight. You took Drink. all the right potions. I took all, yeah, their, their <laughs> potions are done through ales in this. Uh, so I did all that. That's I a loaded nice touch. up. I loaded it was up. a Witcher 3 reference. Yeah. 
I loaded up on all my my buffs when I went in, and it was a difficult fight for about thirty seconds. And then he did one of his powers and got stuck in a corner. And uh. I'm like, fuck, you know what? I could reload and do all of this again, or I can just kill him and move on. And I just, yeah. I just walked up behind him and just fucking just wailed on him until he fell over. <laughs> and that was it. And that was that was the that was the big boss. Like, surely, surely, if you're play testing a game, if you if you're paying people to test your game, that would be a focal area. Is okay. We've only got six bosses in our entire game. <laughs> Can you just go kill them, like all six in a row, over and over and over again, mm. please? Just yeah. tell us what happens. Like yeah. seriously, completely agree. Completely just- agree. And then the the entire the whole big bad of the the entire game, I got to it and glitched out as well. And it was <laughs> it was firing off all of its attacks just into a solid stone wall. So it's a tantric so I, video game. It takes hours and hours, and there's no payoff at the end. That's a hundred percent. Yeah, it was. It was that that fight was so disappointing, and it was also yeah. man, I could reload, but this could just glitch again. And, yeah, and what or and, worse and. and or worse, it could completely kick my ass because if it's that mm. glitchy and that unbalanced, I might not be able to finish it on my own. Mm. So mm. I'm like, you know what, fuck it. I'm this close to the end. I'm over it because the final biome area was so fucking frustrating uh, that I'm just like, just just finish it. Just do it. Be done with it. Walk away for a couple of years and come back to it when they've fixed all these things. So huge, huge glitches. Um, yeah. The one of the main things, the Kazart Stone, uh, which is kind of like the um, Arkenstone from um, the, the the Hobbit guys are the Hobbit dwarves are going to get yep. um, in the Misty Mountain. Um, the Kazart Stone's the one for Moria in this game. I'm hoping it's lore and canon. Uh, it was I had to Google where it was in the game after I'd beaten the final boss because I couldn't find it. Um, yeah, I saw your note on that. It was actually when when it told me where it was. I'm like, you fucking serious? I passed that point in the game dozens of times, and I went back to it. And yeah, I looked down, and there's this one little red colored, or I think I'm pretty sure it was red colored pixel in a pile of fucking dirt that I aimed down. It said pick up, and I picked it up, and they're like, that's how I, that's how I finished the game because I got to the the exit door for Moria, and it goes, oh no. You haven't got this stone to give to Thorin, so I need to go back in and find it and that. I'm like, you fucking serious? Like, it's in that last section that was the shittest area in a video game that I've played, and it wanted me to go back in there. So I'm like, I'm Googling where this is because there's no fucking way that... And because the map's slightly different for everybody, uh, I was a bit worried that it was going to say, oh, well, no, you just got to walk around until you find it. But it was in a specific... (laughs) It was in a specific point that is the same for everybody. Uh, and so I picked it up and that was it. Like there was no way I walked past this point several times and missed it every time. And that was, yeah, that was, that's... that was a terrible glitch. Like that should have been something that was much more clear. I'll, I'll blast through the rest of this. Uh, the, the art style is much more cartoony than say, um, the shadow of war games or the Peter Jackson movies. Uh, so was the, it kind of world of Warcraft cartoony? Yeah. Kind of okay. along that way. Not mm. quite to that, that level, but it is much different. It is more the cartoon style of things. The trolls look like the rock eaters from never end a story. I couldn't work out where they were. <laughs> <laughs> and I had to Google trolls in movies and go through the images until I found the one that it was. And I'm like, that's exactly what they are. 
fucking uh, another Jim Henson masterpiece. Yes. Um, so the, the the art style is 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 it's nice. It's good. The all the dwarvish armor and the buildings and that look excellent. Um, it is really good on that side of it. Um, the animations of the dwarf moving are really good. You you can do a combat roll, which is, is actually really fluid, and if you pull it off at the right time, is quite satisfying. <laughs> um, the gameplay loop itself uh, is okay. Uh, you don't uh, you kind of move along through the areas, and you can see where they want you to set up settlements um, because there's. A, there's a there's a broken down forge and a broken down half, or there's an area that is clearly you can see it's defensible, um, yeah. where they want you to set up a camp. Um, I didn't get past the second zone. Uh, I just I'd made my camp there and just took enough uh, enough ingredients with me to make warp uh, waypoints, map points. Um, wherever I found something, I would I would drop a waypoint and then I would just pull back to uh, pull back to my main base to. Hmm. Um, to do that, to do that, so it's it's fun to start with, where you don't have much uh, ingredients or anything, and you mm-hmm. and you kind of need to move You're to the next area. More. You need yeah. to make a little camp just to survive because you can't get back to your next one, and then you just find more ingredients, and then you just give up on it, and you just keep keep your main base. Your upgrades are good. Um, the 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 satisfaction of getting more minerals to 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 move forward is is good. Um, that last biome that I was talking about, which is the uh, the it, it's just a, it's just a rehash of bits and pieces from the first ones, um, mm. and it's so frustrating. Some of the rooms are just. I think I went through about four or five rooms in almost a loop that were mirror image of each other. They were absolutely identical, uh, down to the ores that were on the walls. And you would just do this. You would go and find goblins, go to the next room, and then you just would make a loop back. And it was just, it was fucking frustrating. Rocks would be constantly falling from the ceiling, knocking you off things. It was vertical when the vertical gameplay isn't very good. The the ladders, the ladders and the platform placing is a bit dodgy. Um, it's mm. a much better game on a level platform. Um, uh, so that last biome was fucking horrible and needs a serious, serious overhaul. Um, all the orc camps, there's one major orc camp in each area, uh, which is just a mirror image of each other. So once you know the layout of the first one, super boring, roll through the bosses in the same the same arena. The arena looks exactly the same all the way through. Um, so and the actual player map is terrible, especially in that last area where it's uh, there's a lot of verticality. It mm-hmm. only shows you the level you're on. It doesn't show you the levels you've been to, and you can't flick through yeah. your map levels. So and it doesn't mark where the next rooms are. On, on your map so you kind of you kind of flailing in the dark to going up and down this bad verticality uh traversal system uh to try and find rooms that you haven't been into to at least try and find the the next objective um i i feel like the lord of the rings maps are absolutely beautiful in all yeah. of the other media so it could have been something that could have been one of the most gorgeous points of the game uh, with like dwarven written rune notes all over it and everything mm. like that, but it just here be dragons and the things like that. I mean, it yeah. should mark those things automatically for you and mark where ores are and things like that. Especially if you tag them, it, mm. it could have been a really beautiful player map. So I think that's a really um, a really Big I miss. called it bland, boring, and broken is how I named that. <laughs> um, yeah, overall, I, 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 once again, seems it was like a it's lot a description of for the whole game, Dan. Yeah, bland, um, boring, and broken. Yeah, yeah. 
Uh, the the biggest thing I spoke to you guys about it. The most beautiful part about it is the songs. Um, it was it was really great to get back to the camp uh, when I needed to rest, and I brewed a brew called Evening Ale. And you would drink the evening ale, and it would give you a buff when you woke up. But to to get that buff, you need to hold E to drink the beer. But he will then sing a verse of a song uh, mm-hmm. as as it goes through. And I think they probably were all original songs, and they were uh, my my girl's beards as bright as brass. Uh, <laughs> the the story of the Hobbit naming all the dwarves, and when they get to Bilbo's place, and. Uh, yep. the the running amok there and a few other bits and pieces. Uh, the the singing then continued into mining. You would start singing when you were mining ore and you would then uh, gain inspiration that didn't use uh, stamina when you were mining ore. Uh, you would then sing songs at the Statues of Durin, um, at the one of the library pillars. Uh, every main point you would sing a song to open a door and they were extremely well done. Like it would start off just with the dwarf singing and then the big background chorus and orchestra orchestra would come in and continue off the last little bit of the song. And some of it was sung in English, some of it was sung in dwarvish. And that, that to me was the jewel in this game. And it yeah. was one of the big things that kept me, kept me going through and pushing through. Um, that's it. I've probably got more to say, but I've talked <laughs> long enough myself, but... That's a 20-minute um, review, so that's a that's a solid. Yeah. That's definitely not a mini review. I've got that's some good. stuff to say because I did some research yeah. in the okay. background. Yes. Go. Um, so you said they entered through the doors of Durin. These were the doors that the okay. Watcher in the Water destroyed when the Fellowship entered. Um, they were not rebuilt, uh, according to Tolkien letters, until Khazad-dum or Moria was resettled by the dwarves, okay. which didn't happen until sometime after the Fourth Age, year 171, and Gimli... Uh, left, uh, accompanied Legolas to the Undying Lands Undying in Fourth yeah. Age 120. So you can't have entered by the doors of Durin. <laughs> Cop that, you dogs. Um, but they do say that Thorin Stoneheld III, who was at the Council of Elrond, uh, he did send um, with. So Gimli was at this point was in the um, glittering caves at Helm's Deep. That's where he'd established his. Did they talk about that at least? No. No, not at all. Fucking dogs. That's the best part. Gimli goes after because in the books he's so obsessed with the glittering caves that then he decides to settle there and mine them. Um, mm. So, yes, Thorin Stonehelm, who was Dane Ironfoot's son. Dane Ironfoot was played by Billy Connolly in the Hobbit films. He rode the big goat. Mm-hmm. Okay. Yep. yep. So his son was the king of Erebor, the Lonely Mountain. Uh, mm-hmm. He did send people, he did send dwarves to mine mithril from Moria, um, but oh. it wasn't, wasn't resettled. Um, it wasn't resettled until well after the year 171 in the Fourth Age where Thorin's son, Durin Seventh, or Durin the Last, um, who was the last reincarnation of Durin the Deathless, uh, eventually did resettle Moria um, and they stayed there until the dwarves faded out of existence. But it doesn't sound like this game you're settling Moria. It's more like you've, no, you've, you've entered in a, and yeah. then got trapped. Yeah. Yeah. So, was, I mean, yeah, the idea is to... Too settled, yes. And that's at the end of the game, you do get, I'm just going to spoil this, you do get made Lord of Moria because you open the door for them to get in. I don't know where you get lordship out of that, but anyway. Um, you mentioned <laughs> I mithril. broke into someone's house and opened the front door. <laughs> I own the house! 
Squatters' rights, so, baby. Squatters' rights. Yeah, so, well, yeah, you are there under the orders of the king, so yeah. Yeah, I guess it kind of makes sense. But you mentioned Mithril. Um, so Mithril is the last ore that you get in the game, mm-hmm. and the only way there's when you get to the deep dark because the the paths through the mine are all locked, so you've got to find alternate routes. Yeah. So you go into this. Uh, it's called the Crystal Descent. And you you end up in the deep dark, uh, which mm-hmm. has got really cool sort of mushrooms and like glowing crystals and things like that. It's a, it's a yeah. pretty nice area to get into. Uh, but then within the deep dark, there's cracks in the in the uh, in the te- in the terrain which lead into the deepest dark. And so you make platforms and ladders and get down into the deepest dark, which you can only spend a certain time in there. Um, because you end up with despair, which takes health off you. Yeah. Uh, and this is where you can get the rare gems, um, and you you need rubies and that to make some of the the, the the better weapons in the in the early areas. But then yep. in the last section, this is where you mine mithril from. So I started to mine, get down into these deepest dark because they're they're fun because there's a bit of a time limit on there. You can only stay down for a certain time and this and that. But it's like found- in in God of War when you go to the the, the misty. The poison mist realm. Yes, you, that's yeah. exactly what it's like. Yeah. yeah, you can only spend a certain time in there. Yeah, and so I found I found those it, those breaks in that monotonous gameplay very interesting and quite yeah. fun. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So I mined a bunch of mithril because I found I found one that was really great. Uh, I, I set up a waypoint stone in there, so I was able to teleport out before I was sort of too uh, too damaged. Uh, got all this mithril, and you can only make one thing out of mithril. You can Which only is. make one weapon, a spear, to to kill the big bad of the game, and that's that's it. You can't make anything more. So you the, and there's there's so you made much so abund- much out of mithril, but there's so mm. much abundance of this ore. That in all of the ores, there's an absolute abundance of it. But you yeah. you don't actually make that much out of any of it. Like there's not there's not options for like different types of armor or anything to make out of each of the ores that you find which yeah. would be fun and then make armor stands and put them up and it would be an expanse on the gameplay. There's only one set of armor you can make out of each out of each uh, ore. So right. you're, you, you, you get enough of that ore to make your weapons and your armor and then you just don't get any more because you don't need it. So the mithril, all that extra mithril that I mined, you don't need it. Like I got enough to make this one weapon and then I thought, oh, surely as I get along, there's going to be an armor set and some bits and pieces to go with it, but there's not. There's just that. There's just that one weapon, and that's that was really disappointing, for, especially for how abundant it is. Once you get into the deepest dark in that area, yeah, um, it was really disappointing. Yeah, well, there, there was more in there that I didn't mention, but I'm not going to go. Back that. Doesn't matter. I feel vindicated. I win. <laughs> Thank you very much. <laughs> I, I mean, predicted they just, it was a turd. They just threw they just threw Gimli in there because it was a name that everybody did. They would have thrown no, I get a bunch that. of. I, I get why they did it, but they're yeah, wrong. They shouldn't have. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I agree. I think it would have been better if they'd stuck to the like the proper law to the to the dwarves of Erebor. Yeah, yeah. But I mean, I also am going to talk about Shadow of War later. So, <laughs> yes. oh well, there's we a, there's a departure. Yeah. <laughs> Oof. Oof. I think on that note, we should probably take a break. Probably a good idea. We'll come back for our next review. Stay tuned, avid listeners. Hey! We have returned. And apparently we're ready for our third beer review. 
Absolutely. Oh, hello. Ooh. Looks chewy. No, it's not. It's uh oh it is I guess it is a little bit. I'm going first now. Um <laughs> so there's a new Australian malt supplier called AMSAT, uh out of South Australia. Uh mm-hmm. do, 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 let me look up. I did have it here open. Australian Malters Serving Services and Technology uh, out of South Australia, which are distributed by Ellerslie Hops. Uh, we're customers of Ellerslie Hops. Uh, so got invited to the AMSAT um, sort of announcement thing over at uh, Dad and Dave's in Brookvale last week mm-hmm. where I got to taste the malts, talk to the maltster about uh, what they're doing, and they'd actually brewed two beers uh, with these cool. with these new malts. So we got some of these beers to take home with us. I tried each one of them, and then I'm like, got to talk about these on the podcast uh, because... This one's made by Archer Brewing in Brisbane. It's a crystal lager, um, so it's a crystal crystal malt lager, but also the uh, the I would I would call that uh, also crystal clear as well. Mm. Yeah, definitely. it's a it's a beautiful beautiful clear uh, deep amber um, crystal malt lager. It's mm. got that really nice light caramel with some a touch of sort of biscuity malt character coming through there as well. It's it's it does have Pete's Pete's favorite word, so a little bit of residual sugar there for a lager, but uh, it's it's not super chewy. But there is definitely some a larger a larger body to it. But the freshness of this fucking specialty Australian malt coming out of South Australia just gives this brightness in flavor to these these products. It's like. People not on the production side of it, most of our specialty malts come from uh, UK or Germany. Um, There is Gladfield malt over in New Zealand, but only a select amount of people use them because they don't, they they have big distribution, but you can't always get what you want because they do smaller batches and they're they're pretty highly sought after. Uh, Then you've got Voyager malt, uh, which is a New South Wales one. And now we've got these guys. And the malt is a malt is a is a food product so the fresher we can get it the better the mm. flavor expression it's mm. going to be and these beers the malt expression on these these two beers is unlike any beers i've ever had even ones i've made and tasted fresh out of tank have never had the clarity of malt expression like these beers have so yeah, wow i'm really excited to try these 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 malts out in some of our brews uh, because if if we can do three quarters, half to three quarters of what they've done with these two beers, uh, yeah. then I'll be I'll be a very happy camper. Um, so these these two, the next one is a, an American brown ale made with their chocolate malt and their dark crystal, uh, and it's phenomenal. You're as well. selling it, yeah. Um, I'm not even sure if these beers are available on market. Yeah, uh, so there's only you- four check-ins on Untapped, so yeah. probably not. They're probably well. They they did. They've uh, Ellerslie's been doing state by state um, the the malt tastings with these beers. So they're probably all people, industry people, I'd say that have mm. been to these these things. So um, Archer uh, Gareth, who I went to uni with, started Archer with I think with his brother in law um, out of Brisbane. So got a bit of a connection there. Um, but fucking phenomenal, absolutely phenomenal. I love these, and they're. They're such easy drinkers because the flavor expression is just wonderful and it's they're not palate killers either. 
because they're meant they're designed to give that malt the the, the heroes of the malt rather than be mm. sort of super hop and anything forward. So, mm. well, there Beautiful you go. Beer. Out of five, uh, I you know what? Unquestionably, this is a five. I I think just just the 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 freshness and the flavor expression on it are just absolutely so outstanding um, that. They, it needs to be. It needs to be marked a five. And the simplicity nice. of it too. Like there's, mm. there's so they haven't overcomplicated to, it. That, yeah, that's exactly it. There's so yeah. little going on there that coming off that thial product that this is this is just a back to basic simplicity, well made with wonderful ingredients. It's just mm. it's it's next level. Nice. You go, Peter. Okay. Um. I am drinking Bracket Brewing. This is the way. <laughs> Which has all the hops that we've talked about a bazillion times. Idaho 7 Citra and Chinook. Uh, it's a West Coast IPA at 6.2%. Um, and it is exactly what you would expect. It's a nice, bright, bitter IPA. Um it's, quite- it's holding up quite well, I must say, because I had one the other day as well, and this was brewed for May fourth, and it's still it's still holding up. Like- yep, I had one. I thought it was pretty good too. Yeah. A bit of haze protein through it now. Um, it's funny because I got I fucked up my pour, so I had quite a big head on it. Let it settle, and then poured out the last I don't know half an inch from the bottom of the can, and it went from it perfectly clear to just hazy as fuck. With some <laughs> some floaties in there. Um, yeah. It's yeah, it's it's it's. Very bitter. So exactly, it's right up Dan's alley, actually. Um, and it's got lots of, I don't want to say tropical juice because that's not what it is. It's more, again, it's pith. It's on the bitterer side of a citrus fruit, um, if that makes sense. Um, but it is quite bright as well. So, yeah. Um, I'm going to give it a 4.25 because there's not much more you could ask for out of out of a beer like that, it's expressing exactly what you'd expect from like Chinook, especially it's and and Citro. They're very bold hops that you you know the flavors of. So, and that's what I'm getting. Excellent. Good. I didn't well, write anything down, Tom, so now I've got to remember Thomas, my own score. Thomas, Thomas seems uh, perplexed. It's growing on me. It's growing on me. <laughs> I am drinking the Tangerine Dream from Cherry. Brewing Company. Chur. Chur. So this is one of their brews from, well, Chur Behemoth. Uh, So this is from from New Zealand, from Auckland. Uh, It is a Tangerine Brute IPA. Remember Brute IPAs? They're back. They're coming back. No, they're not. No, I know. I couldn't even finish that sentence without (laughs) calling out my own lie. Yeah. yeah, So it's it's Simcoe and Mosaic. uh, And it's just, I don't know, the more I've gotten into it, I've started to get some of like the 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 tangerine-y, the like the melony flavors, but it's been been slow to get there. It's not as dry as I remember a brood IPA being. I remember they were like bone dry. They were going for that like whole champagne-y feel. Um, this is this is quite this is quite dry, but not like that bone bone dry. Um, and yeah, there's just I don't know if it's like. It's almost like overly pithy, and it doesn't meld well with the flavors I would expect to get out of it. I just, I don't know. It's like, 
it's just not quite working for me the way I thought it would. I thought it would be a bit more refreshing mm. with, but like with that dryness, I don't know, it's kind of, oh no, no, not really like polarizing flavors. I guess it's just, you know, it, it's dry, but it is like a, a refreshing up front. It's dry on the back. Um, and yeah, the, 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 the like tangerine, they say mango and pineapple. I'm getting like zero pineapple, little bit of mango, but it's like when the mango's kind of been in the fridge for, for a day too long. And it's not quite nice mango. <laughs> yeah, I don't know. It pours like it was. It's, it's like poured quite well. Like there, were, there was nothing else in it. There was no like floaters in it to give like heaps of that extra bitterness. Sometimes you get with those when like just a chunk of trub drops in there and you go, ah, oh, well, fuck. Um, there <laughs> yeah, goes my palate. doubles. Yep. Yeah, yeah. So I don't. Yeah, I don't know. I'm a bit. I expected more. I think is is where I'm at. I expected I think- better. That's always been my opinion of any brute IPA I've ever had. And I've, yeah. been into, I've always gone into it with every expectation that you just said there as well. Really dry, nice and refreshing. Like yeah. just, just the, because there's, there's no residual sugar in there, they basically go down to balancing with water uh, on a gravity <laughs> scale. And yeah. it just you expect all that that extra flavor and that to, to, to pop there. But I've always been disappointed in every single one I've ever had. Yeah, and so this is like I poured out the end of the can now, and I'm, I am definitely getting more of those like those 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 like tangerine citrusy flavors and like a little bit of the mango. But yeah, I don't know. It's it's yeah, exactly. It's just not what I expected. The can art though is I fantastic. Mean, cans are always good. Yeah, yeah, that is beautiful. Yeah, like, so- but it's not making me do that. <laughs> so the can has lied to me. You're a liar. <laughs> I hate you. I hate you, little churn. There's only I been don't. one check in on Untapped for this beer. There you go. From ironically, from uh, Tom Sellers in North Taramara. There you go, Tom. But I don't I know, know Tom I mean, Sellers. It's, it's, yeah, it's a good little bottle shop. It's clearly the same beer, same artwork, same description, same everything. So I don't understand how it's only got one check-in. Can't be that. Yeah, well, well, unless anyway, that's done under Chur, and then you got a whole bunch of people in New Zealand behemoth. checking it in under Behemoth. Yeah, because yeah, they had that issue the, with. That's a good possibility. Yep. Out yeah. of five. Three and a half. Three point five. You're allowed to have yeah. an opinion, you know. No, I know I'm allowed to have an opinion. It's just I like I think I wanted to enjoy this one more. Mm. Yeah. And yeah. Anyway, that's life, I guess. <laughs> wow. All right. We're gonna we're gonna we're actually we're not gonna race through, but we are going to get through another review. Because um, we've all watched something for once. Yeah. <laughs> it's, it's pretty rare these days. Uh, yeah. the creator. I actually don't know who directed it. I watched Gareth, the- Gareth Edwards. Edwards. Thank hence you. My, hence my little joke, Rogue Two. Rogue One. Um, yeah. So Gareth Gareth Edwards directed this one. Uh, he yep. also he also filmed most of it. If you watch yeah. the behind the scenes, mm-hmm. I found the the it's it's like a one hour long behind the scenes movie about the movie, and it was fascinating from start to finish. Yeah, he's about a fascinating the- dude. He he loves film, like, and it's just like, and he's got. I think he's got. Because he's roughly our age, I think might be a bit younger, but I think mm-hmm. he's 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 very much on that that spectrum of where I feel like we are now in cinema as well. That these one shot, wonderfully told, beautifully filmed stories is what we need as a palate yes. cleanser. Yes, to go to go for a callback. Well, not as a palate cleanser. I actually think. We need to restore the storytelling in cinema, 
and that and if and and that and he's not he's not unique, but he's one of the few directors who are very clearly passionate about storytelling above everything else. Yeah. So the idea of we're going to spend ninety five percent of our budget on, and of which there was scarce little budget, eighty um, million. Yeah, which is fuck all considering most of these monsters are five hundred million to a billion in production costs these days by the time you add advertising. So yeah. 80 million is a is a, a pittance. Um but for he, he declared right up front he's going to spend 90% of it in post in in adding CGI and forcing him to be, essentially become a run and gun guerrilla cinematographer that that he likened to a war war cinematographer. And it comes and a across. lot of yeah, I know. Yeah. And it's and it's it's uh, shaky cam, bef- like without the ugliness that is Blair Witch Project shaky cam. Like it's, it you can tell it's not a on thing. a dolly. They're not perfect smooth mo- motion. Moves. It was shot. It was shot, Pete, on a, a Sony FX3, which is an entry level full frame cinematic camera. Yep. So yep. it's it's the Sony. Sorry, yeah, it's the Sony equivalent of the camera that I'm shooting this on right now. Because um, as soon as he mentioned it, of course I fucking googled the FX3. Um, but yeah, I mean, and and he had a an anamorphic lens which he then de-squeezed, which is you know a whole cinema c- cinema style choice around the way that that um, that images are captured on those anamorphic lenses. It's got a very specific style to them. But but just the way that he described about how he just moves around the actors and just make them do a thousand takes until he gets he nails what he was going for. Mm. Um, yeah. Anyway, I'm a massive fan after watching that. I'm a fanboy after watching the the behind the scenes film. Okay. Well, I mean, if you go, if you, you just go on something like you said there, I mean, the most of the actors there are relatively unknowns as well. Obviously, the core main cast. Yeah. The um, God, I've got them here because I couldn't remember the names. Um, John, uh, John David Washington, obviously a big one. Gemma Chan's been in a lot. Uh, yeah. Ken Ken Watanabe. Always oh, yeah. pops up, always fucking amazing. <laughs> yep. um, and Alison Jenny and Jane, Janie, yeah, Alison Jane, yeah. Janie, uh, in a role that is not what she is typically in, and fucking nails it. Like you yeah. can just see that he has gone. You are the right person for this role. Like, and then the rest of the cast, basically unknown. Like, yeah. well, hmm. I, I, I greatly apologise to anybody else. Like. Benedict Wong's in the in the casting as well. I don't remember seeing Benedict Wong in there anywhere, but <laughs> and I don't remember seeing Danny McBride in there anywhere either. But no, anyway. so that's that's Benedict Wong was originally meant to be Ken Watanabe's character, but he dropped oh, out. okay, right. Yeah. Ed, yeah. I mean, Ken Watanabe is just phenomenal. He's a fucking like boss he's, man. He's, mm. Yeah, he's always amazing. Everything he does, and always has this stoic. Uh, <sighs> Stoic it's samurai presence. energy. Oh, yeah. it's just it's just what it's he the only does. Way I can describe just it. Fucking owns it when he doesn't even say anything. He just yeah. is just one of those. <laughs> He's got that look. It's the look. Yeah, it's, yeah. yeah. Um, and then the um, the the young and uh, the young sim, um, the Madeline Yuna Boyles. Yep. Did I yep. pronounce that? Correctly? I would have gone with. <laughs> God, are any damn. of us authorities? <laughs> that Madeline Yuna Voyules. Yules, that man. kid right. can fucking act like that. Yeah, yeah she gets is, a lot out of very few lines. Oh boy, and with only half a head, <laughs> too. It's like, 
Good. Hate to God. break it to you, but that that was animation. She has a <laughs> <head>. <laughs> but I'm, but but the the supporting cast as well. So where I was at is like he's got this four or five core great actors that he has obviously handpicked uh, mm. that were specific for the roles, and they all nail it. And however many takes he took for this, the 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 shots and the dialogue, uh, I actually and, think he did that on purpose. Got to be honest, I I I think. I think that whole concept of I'm going to make you do it so often that you're exhausted and you stop acting and because you, you forgot to act. Mm. Yeah. And and a lot of it and, and you know that that only works for certain dialogue and certain specific yeah. plot points but it it shows in the movie they're in a continuous run from the mm. authorities. And so you would expect them to be exhausted and at wit's end and on that point of frustration and on the point of giving up. And I think yeah. the immediacy of exhausted actors translates really well into the story. Mm. Mm. Yeah. Um, but, should we, we're getting ahead of ourselves. Yeah. Should we, do you have a quick 30-second breakdown of what this is about? No, but I'm sure I could wrap one. Um, <laughs> I mean, it's, it's set in the near future. Um, artificial intelligence was accepted by the world in in robots, in independent robot units, because, you know, we talk about... You can't even say that anymore, right? It's 2023 and AI is already everywhere in real life. Mm. So, yeah, in independent robots, um, it's very Chappie-esque in their, you know, the Design. robot units. Mm. And then, then the AI is accused of nuking, I think it was New York? Los Angeles. LA. Um, nuked LA... Uh, and we're essentially outlawed by America and a group of countries wrapped around America, so probably like the G8. Um, artificial intelligence has essentially withdrawn to Southeast Asia to hide from the big geopolitical countries and mm-hmm. are essentially being hunted down by America. It, and it's very... I mean, it's poli- in the East and, and banned in the West, yeah. Yeah, mm-hmm. yeah. But it's very much Southeast Asia. It's not even... The East, because it's yeah. kind of Cambodia, Vietnam, Thailand, Thailand. Yeah, yeah. oh, they end that up kind in of like chain. Nepal, like yeah, yeah, they do end up yeah, true, yeah. true. Yeah, um, yeah. So that's kind of the basic premise, and 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 then against that backdrop, um, a agent working for the U.S. government um, has been seated as an undercover operative to try and find the creator of modern AI, um. And then some bad stuff happens to him, and that's kind of the starting point for the for the movie. Really, I think there you go. No, yeah. Well, actually, I think, I think it's really it's important good. to I think it's really important to add to that that they they do overshadow this because it was overshadowed in the trailers. But then the the whole thing that is overshadowing constantly is the nomad. The nomad is mm. ever present, and I, that's established pretty early on that there's it's, the nomad it's is big this giant. It's it, yeah, big brother space station military like. Yeah. But it, it, but it's a representation of and and like you can't not look at this politically. No. In my opinion, right? Nomad is a representation of the Ameri- what's going on in America at the moment in terms of US governmental overreach, over surveillance, and over control of its population. And that's it's literally t- called the North American Defense something something. That's what Nomad stands for. Yeah, yeah. And and they made no they they made no secret that it was a US uh, satellite missile defense mm. platform like bombing Southeast Asia with zero repercussion. Yeah. So it literally yeah. just gets called in. You see the big blue light and you go, well, we're fucked. Fucking scary ass. Like he did a really great job of of that. And But the cinematography was a really great balance between absolute beauty 
or like natural beauty and like lightning storms in the distance and these massive yeah, establishing there were some shots, great and scenic shots, yeah. messes and all the rest of it of like the beauty of Southeast Asia set against the backdrop of like like futuristic tech and you know this nomad platform wandering around bombing shit. Mm. Um, to me, it was very District Nine. Was or it's 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 a love letter. But what I can see in there is I can see definitely see Neil Blomkamp, which is District Nine, Chappie. Uh, Elysium. Um, it was very, yeah, very much Elysium. Elysium. But Elysium um, was derivative of, of District Nine and Chappie yeah, as well. Yeah, well, it came in between the two. I got way. I was way back. I was just Nam. It was Vietnam yeah, stories. Vi- but Vietnam, that's, that goes back to the yeah. yeah Blade Runner um, with some yep. Star Wars elements thrown in there. Yep, particularly when they're in. Um, they, I think they ended up in. Did they end up in China or Japan at one stage? It was Japan. I'm sure. They, there was one stage in the middle of the movie where he was in a major. Major Asian city, I thought was Japan. Might not have, might not have been. It's called something else, but yeah, they don't name it as a city that I recognize. But it has like a, uh, it has like a, um, um, uh, a checkpoint. Are you talking about the checkpoint bit? Yes, where he's in the back of the van. Yeah, yeah. It 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 had like a Times Square style. You know, you often often see that shot from I think Tokyo uh, in the middle of Tokyo. That's yeah, mm. uh, with all the massive screens. Um, yeah. Anyway. I, I don't know. I, I just it, it's one of the best movies I've seen this year, without any I doubt. Completely agree. I think it's one of the best sci-fi movies of the last 10, 20 years. It's mm. uh it it's well up there with the Blade Runners and that for me. It's it's well thought out, it's emotional. The the characters are established without going overboard, their motivations are justified. Um, that specially comes around um, the the um, John David Washington and the yeah. Allison Janey characters. Mm-hmm. Their their motivations on opposing sides of this story are completely justified in <laughs> very little in in very little storytelling. Yeah, yeah, and yeah. Um, I think you you summed it up really well. I think you wrote somewhere in the notes that they do a shitload of showing, not telling, through the entire thing. Uh, and there is a little bit of telling as well um, mm. when it comes around some stuff, but they don't treat the viewer as an idiot that hasn't been told a story or seen a movie or yeah. seen a TV show. They treat them like this is an established world. You understand the basic elements of because it's not that far from our world and you know where our world is at the moment. So I'm going to put this element here and I'm not even going to explain it to you. Yeah. I'm just going to show you what happens. And this really came around um, the the uh, the dying soldier scene where she put the 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 extraction of the the, uh, yeah. the, the mind and put it into the the sim, um, and then the other one was the the fucking suicide bomber robots. Sorry, yeah. spoilers yeah. here, people. Um, oh, I don't think they're spoilers. You're not. Yeah, I, just, their just existence that, isn't a spoiler. That that establishment of. A soldier talking to the commander about, hey, I'm setting this robot to do this, mm. and then they show us. Yeah. They show us. It's it's literally off and running. And yep. you go, oh fuck, where is this gonna end? Like what is the what is gonna happen here? Yeah. And and it just that that scene on the bridge, spectacular. I mean, just incredible. That was it was moving on both sides. And I don't feel that the the and I'm saying this in quotation marks the bad guys in this were unjustified bad guys. You could sympathise with both sides of the line here. If you 
if you yes y- yes there yeah. weren't but to me i mean and you know cuz it's such a topical d- discussion at the moment with with i mean chat gbt is really the apple of ai in the sense that the technology's been around for a decade it's just no one gave a shit until apple piped up and went oh you know this pda with a fucking sp- pesky little pen shit we can do it better and now suddenly everyone's got a fucking device in their pocket that you know apple brought that technology to the masses chat gpt brought ai to the masses it's everywhere and it's permeating society at the moment and it's it's interacting in new and interesting ways and and we'll see that play out over the next few years but i actually don't think this is a i don't think this is another story about robots taking over and and how we should be cautious about artificial intelligence to me this was about the right to exist as independent thinkers versus the machinery of government they literally say that ken watanabe characters says to john davis washington he goes do you know what's going to happen if we win this war nothing we're Mm. not going to come after your people we just want to be left alone and that is their motivation. We just Literally, you, you created us. Now let just let us be. Just let yeah. us be. Yeah. yeah. We're not going to take over. We're not going to wipe you out. We're not going to do anything. Just yeah. let us. But be. in terms of it, in terms of it being a comment on current society, because it it struck for me that it was, it 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 was a a parody of what's going on in real life at the moment, um, and it and to me it really was about the machinery of government controlling society versus the right to exist well, as individualism. And it was also a big kind of fuck you to the hyper-militaristic nature of the US. Like, well, yeah. yeah. Yeah, totally, totally. Yeah. Um, no, I like it, you know, I we all sound like massive fanboys, but to me that was, it was masterpiece level fucking movie. Oh, incredible. And like, and well, going- so, oh, yeah, uh, um, I, I very much enjoyed it, but there were bits in the middle where I was just like, I found myself going, oh, how long is this actually going to go on for? I found certain the, bits in the middle dragged so, so, a bit Some too pacing much. issues? Well, pacing, look, it wasn't pacing, perfect. Yeah. It yeah. wasn't, I, yeah. yeah, I haven't declared it perfect. Um, I do think- Masterpiece, perfect, come on. <laughs> well, yeah, okay. I mean, I'll, 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 I'll take that feedback, but I think it yeah. was pretty fucking close. Okay, so- um, I've got a caveat to Pete's masterpiece comment. I think it's a cult masterpiece. Yeah, okay. Great addendum. Oh, <laughs> again, oops. I've been um, trying to work in the uh, the term addendum for the last three episodes. I tell you what I thought was really interestingly explored was was and you you can tell that they, they'd obviously hired some futurists or he is just that visionary. Yeah. But the notion of okay, predict what military technology will look like in twenty years. Ah. Uh, uh, but no robots. And so you end up with just super massive tanks and you mm. end up with hardcore armor suits with like, you know, computer engaged you know, um, intelligence, but they're not AI engines. It did kind of feel like some of those designs, it's just like the Gareth Edwards went, well, I really liked Edge of Tomorrow and I really liked the big <laughs> uh, the big tanks out of Star Wars. So I'm going to take those. And then he like he, he got to pick and choose, yeah. which, I'm all, which I'm all for. I'm all, yeah. Don't get me wrong. This is like. If I had the playground of that to create a film, and I'm like, I'm going to bring in some of the best elements from, like, but everyone's building on everyone else, and, yeah, and then yeah, there's an argument. On it. Yeah, yeah, there's there's also an argument to be made that they're all derivative of real life, and so they're kind of oh, convergent yeah. at some point anyway. Yeah, but that's what I thought. It was like it was like the uh, the MVPs of um, of semi futuristic military technology. Where, like you said, but one no of the robots. big 
But yeah. one of the big engines was basically a Warhammer 40K tank, like a Land Raider yeah. or a Land Raider Crusader. And it was basically take a massive tank and an APC, merge them, and then scale them up five times. And that's yeah. that's that's what was rolling over the top of that mountain. But that's also a description for a Land Raider from Warhammer 40K. Yeah. So, yeah, it's kind of convergent. The, the special effects on that budget were in phenomenal. ILM, I loved the way that he described that Industrial Light and Magic was shit scared of him because he was like, no, I, I don't need you to model this in three dimensions. I need you to just paint it into the scene because I'm not going to change my mind later, I promise. Like, you don't need to. I haven't I, seen I, that I, part. I didn't see I, that comment. I, yeah, so so he the reason he got away with it so cheaply was because he went to ILM and said, I'm never going to reshoot this sequence. I'm never going to change my camera angle. You don't have to create a perfect 3D model and then texture it from every fucking angle like you do for every other movie. I'm not going to change my mind. My shot is set. I just need you to need you to paint a 2D plate. Yeah, and so a wow. lot of those background sequences are traditional plate painting, like environmental yeah. design, yeah. rather than 3D models. And that's how they got away so cheaply. But all the all the robots and all the Sims and the, just all of mm. the all of the extra. There was only one shot that was, um, I think it was, uh, it was not long after the they they find the they find the child where one of the guys walks out and I'm like, huh, that's a green screen shot. That was the only time that I went, hmm, that they could have spent like on five nose. more minutes on that 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 background <laughs> and it yep. would have blended a bit better. Everything else felt like it was there and belonged in that world. Yeah, yeah. So a lot of it was, and and so uh, like you know, yes, there were video sequences, but someone someone hand rotoscoped most of those shots, mm-hmm. right? So the 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 heads where you can see, you, you know, the robotics you can see through the yep. skull. That's all rotoscoped. So they filmed yep. actual actors in some cases. I love the fact that they weren't even actors; they were just people there. Mm. They were just filming. People in back streets in Southeast Asia in Cambodia on a handy cam, and then they just randomly selected. Here's a robot. He's human. He's human. He's he's a robot, yeah. and and they just painted them out. Mm. And so the the motion and the randomness of their behavior and actions were 100 percent human. Yeah, it's a great way of nailing AI being human born because mm. they are literally acting as humans. Mm. Anyway. I'm the, I did. I, I'm I did walk. I did walk out of it, and I went and saw it with my mate Luke. And oh, sort of I wish I'd seen it in the cinemas. I missed yeah, it. Yeah, we, we saw it in the cinemas, yep. and then um, we walked out. We'd, we'd had you know a couple of beers when we walked, by the time we walked in and watched it, and then we had two more in the cinema and walked out. And it was just like it's really nice that Gareth Edwards used all the uh, cutting room floor uh, yep. imagery from uh, Rogue One. It was really nice. Yeah, <laughs> I, I liked going back to Scarif. That was great. Yeah, yeah. Like, but you, you can, can tell see, this, you can see, you can see his like. But that's the thing. You can see his fingerprint on it. It's yes. his yeah. signature. Yeah. Yeah. That's, yeah. It's, I liked how you called it Rogue 2 earlier. Um, yeah. But it's more, it's representative of his style as opposed to it being in a kind of an extension of Rogue One. Yeah. No, no, no. No, it's more, it's his fingerprint on it, which is, which is delightful to see because sometimes, like, I know we've had it in the past. We've always had that, that kind of, it was always that signature style of, of certain directors. And I Denis feel like Villeneuve. Not, not that fucking white face. Um, but yes, no, exactly. But it's like it's starting to come back. I feel like it got it got lost a bit yeah. in the last mm. like yeah. say fifteen years, and yeah. and now it's starting to be like no, no, no. I'm as a director, I'm 
I'm taking more control this back. This is my style. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. I would, I would enjoy watching more. No, I, I don't know that you would. Nah. Ex- I wouldn't nah. extend that movie, but I, I that style from him. Oh, I yeah. actually think he he does a great job. And and just looking at his uh, his directorial. I mean, I, I hope list, to God there's, there's no sequel. Like, no. It's, I don't think there will be. He he said it's he a, came, he said to the studios, "This is a one-off. This is one a stand, done, yeah. standalone movie." And that's but what he, he did. Monsters and he did Godzilla. Yeah, and you monsters, can sorry, Monsters is great. I I watched Monsters when it came out, and it, obviously he was unknown then, and I love it. It's a it's a it's a movie that's focused on a couple that weren't a couple. It's a going, small story, yeah. Going across South America, and it's not even focused on the monsters. Like, it's also, not. It's, it's sorry, it, it also wasn't scripted. Okay. The whole movie, and, and I didn't realise it was the same guy because it's kind of reminding me now I'm looking at it on IMDb. So his behind the scenes on this one was he gave the actors rough notes and then filmed them. Hmm. And again, oh. they were in Southeast Asia exhausted with no plan, no plot, other than these dodgy notes he would hand them, and they would have to just act against it. Yeah, but heaven forbids let the uh, let the person who knows their craft do their craft. Yeah. yeah. It's like yeah. over over direction can kill things as much as it can as much as it can help things at times with the right director and the right actors. Yes. It can it can create masterpieces, but which, also which we've We've talked about where like previs is now more more controlling of movies than the director is. Yeah, yeah. I think on the flip side of that, you've also got to be very careful about the fact you've got to remember that actors are human beings, and you can't just exhaust them so that they act naturally. Like no, no, no. Yeah, but no, uh, I just think that like this is just kind of going. No, no, I'm not saying you are, but I'm just saying we're talking about the way that. Gareth Edwards has done this, and it does start going down a bit of a slippery slope where you get to like, you start getting into well, it's like not actor abuse because well, if you talk can, to the guys, but it can lead to that. Like, yeah, you know what I'm saying? Sure. This, is, this is starting to get down to like what Tarantino sure, but you, started doing. Yeah, like, I was going to say it's not. He's, he's hopefully he's not, he's not doing he's it. Not Tarantino, going down Tarantino yet, yet but but also you know, Tarantino is Tarantino, and he can yeah. do what the fuck he wants. So, but but Monsters was quite different. Legally, Monsters, he cannot. <laughs> so so the main the two main actors in Monsters are Scoot McNary and Whitney Abel. I'm basically described it as it was a it was an unplanned backpackers holiday through Southeast Asia. Yeah, and occasionally they're on camera. Because I, I didn't know where America. they were. Oh. South Asia, mm. Southeast Asia. I mean, that's Maybe the thing. As long as, long as, as long as an actor knows right. that they're, they're going in for that kind of, like, thing, yeah. they need yeah. to know, for, like, up front. But they didn't that's, know that's where they were going to be. They didn't, what I'm getting to. Yeah. yeah, I think you're right, actually. It was South America because it was supposed to be based in Mexico. But a lot mm, of it was yeah. a lot of it was uns- – so he, he – uh, well, they stated it. A lot of it's unscripted and he didn't really have permits. And he made a point of mm. mentioning that in the behind the scenes, that it wasn't a – I'm going to rent out this street and all the extras. Yeah, yeah, yeah. It was, yeah. I got a handy cam and no one will even notice me filming my movie. No. Anyway. Yeah. Uh, my, my one last little point to put in there is I thought the comedy was perfectly timed and didn't stand out to be silly. It wasn't a gimmick. No. So it was, the, it you, was a you, counterpoint in certain. Yeah. You yep. got the dog that picks up the hand grenade and runs it back out and drops it at the rob- robot, uh, the robot soldiers, and then the uh, the, the car flip and turn yep. back the other direction. I'm not going to oh, say what they are because they were good points, and anybody who's not watched it. So, and the and the uh, the the uh, standby not shut down. 
There was a couple of yeah. moments there that I thought were quite comedic, but they were organically comedy rather than a comedy writer sat down and wrote a joke for the movie. Yes, exactly. Yeah. 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 We should move on because we're got buried in this. Okay. And and also While Dan, Dan, Dan goes to pee, <laughs> uh, I, I did come home and the first thing Emma asked me after the credit, she was like, how was it? And I was like, it's great. And she's like, well, can you give me one word, one like sentence review? And I said, the dog doesn't die. <laughs> and that is now how I have to phrase most films. For, that's a whole. Like, that's a whole website. I'm sure you're. A, yeah, yeah, yeah. The dog, the dog, the dog doesn't die. Com. Like, yeah. and I often look it up because there was a certain scene with a dog and a gun, and you're just like, well, that guy dies. Um, sorry, oh. Pete. Sorry, <laughs> that's right. sorry, but it's fair. Like, come on. Um. Yeah. Don't hold guns at animals. True. Children's fine. Animals no. Fueled a whole uh, series of movies that should have stopped at the first one. Um, so we're going to move into our spotlight. John Wick. Oh, yeah. Sorry. Um, we're going to move into our spotlight. I think we'll probably do this one pretty quickly. Yeah. Because we're 40 minutes in and haven't hit the spotlight yet. Um, this is why we're not doing trailer trash anymore. Uh, so this is Dan's idea. And I don't have enough filler to, to stall until he gets back. So we're just going to. Oh, this came from a discussion Dan and I were having in. when um, I was talking more about the, the new traversal in Spider Man 2 of mm. um, you got the web wings. So you gained a pretty significant gliding ability um, compared to the first of the Insomniac Spider Man games where you purely just had the, your webbing around. Um, so now you can go, you know, you can, you can swing up as high as you want and you, you launch yourself off and then you can press triangle. Shoot at your little web wings, and it's it just it's a real change in the traversal, but it's not limited to that. It's it's also in like your gameplay in like a fight scene. So like normally you'd swing into one, but like what if you were web zipping, like web gliding through, and you spotted a crime, and you're like, well, fuck, I might need to stop that because you're going a little bit faster. So uh, they there were some videos that some people did like which one's faster. I'm pretty sure web gliding won by like five seconds. They did like the the end to end map race. Hmm. Um, but yeah, this is this is where it came from, and it, it ended up in a discussion of like unique game experiences. Like, I know there's probably some gamers out there who've played Spider Man Two who, unless they needed to use the web gliding wings, they wouldn't. Unless there was like a scripted thing where they had to use it, there was no other way to do it. There are certain missions that make you do that. Um, but how much does that kind of you know change it when you everyone has the same ability to use like whatever ability it is? So you have you have the standard web slinging or you have your gliding, but to create a unique user experience, how much you use them and how much does that differ your your gameplay? Um, yeah, that okay. title. your yeah. experience. I mean, I I kind of took this to the next level and and focused on entirely and utterly unique gaming experiences because the engine allowed. Well, I think this this was the launch towards that. Yeah. Okay. Because you could have the same discussion about, you know, God of War and, and which weapon did you favor throughout most of God of War. You yeah. could have the same discussion around, uh, and we, and ironically, we have had that party, conversation. Party builds, like- and we had the same conversation around um, uh, Jedi Survivor and which lightsaber style yeah. of combat we, we favored. And, and in that sense, they're all kind of unique experiences. But I kind of took it a step further to impossibly unique, as in my experience of this game is unreproducible because of the engine or because of the mechanics or because of whatever. And I took that away from from Dan's discussion around the Nemesis system. Which I think is the perfect intro into it. Mm. So, Dan, mm. 
Put your finger tell out us your mouth a story, and, and son. Tell, tell, us, what tell us a story. Well, I've already I've already told Tom this story, Pete, because I uh, I didn't want to spoil Shadow of War for you if you were ever going to get to it. Because I'm never going to get to it, but I was going to go grab another beer, and now you've made me sit stay. Uh, so carry on. Sorry. Uh, so the Nemesis system, for those who don't know what it is, it got implemented in Shadow of Mordor, and it's a way for na- randomly named orcs. Uh, mm-hmm. to be able to get thrown into this captain uh, higher military It's almost system. a player RPG system, but for NPC enemies. Yeah, and they uniquely create names for them and visual appearances and their story in each game is unique as well. So you can- Based encamp- on the actions that you, the player, exactly. do to them. Yeah, so, so it's procedurally generated, but it's it's- Narrative driven. Yeah. So so where this came from was I encountered an epic captain. So they, they come in just normal run-of-the-mill captains, uh, epic and legendary captains, which when you kill them, you get different. You get an epic item or a legendary item or a standard normal item. So they, they, the, the tag doesn't make that much difference, but the epic ones have some better, some higher Better traits. loot drops. Better loot, Be- drops. better loot drops, but they also have a poison weapon or a fire weapon or some yeah. unique abilities. Um, so I encountered this one epic captain and I defeated him the first time, but you don't mm-hmm. necessarily, unless you cut off their head, they're, they're dead, dead in the game, but you can do a whole bunch of, you can nope. cut it. No, no. Nope. Yeah, well, Tom, see, Tom's come up with something different. So you can, <laughs> you can cut off limbs, you can burn them, you can do a whole, you can even cut them in half and they'll come back and they'll be stitched up or they'll have a hook as an arm or a sword or, or Darth they'll Maul be missing a leg. legs. Yeah, exactly. So they'll, they'll be <laughs> yeah. they'll be they'll be stitched back together in some way uh, from your last battle and when you re-encounter them, they'll refer to that and saying you thought you killed me last time but you know what, I'm back for revenge blah blah blah. Some of it gets much more into it than that. So I killed this epic captain, killed, I say in quotation marks. Uh, took the the loot that it dropped for me and then 20 minutes later I'm fighting someone else and he's popped up again and he's like he encountered me in another fight. I'm like, fuck you, I'm going to get you this time. (laughs) So I started to fight him and you can do things that make them scared or feared and they'll retreat as well and it'll notify you when they'll retreat because they'll get a little line of dialogue and then they'll bolt out of the fight. Mm -hmm. So the second time I encountered him, I got him to the level where I was about to feed him again and he retreated. He got out and I couldn't chase him because there was just too many others out and I lost him. in the. And they run pretty fast when they retreat. Yeah, they do run very fast, yeah. Ten ten or 15 minutes later, he's fucking popped up again. He's ambushed me again. He's like, I'm going to get you this time. And so I (laughs) fought him him to a point where he retreated again. Like he's like, like, no, I'm getting out of here again. But you've got an ability to pin them. Um, yep. So I fired an arrow at his foot and pinned him. Um, and was this the time that I pinned him? Was it the second time that I pinned him? I'm reading my notes that I – no, it's the third time I counted, encountered him I pinned him. Uh, yeah, so this is this this time. This uh, is very much a nemesis system, right? It, like that's it, it the def- exact right word for it. It definitely oh, it's, is. It's, and- it's also pro- like proprietary limited by yeah. Yeah. this studio, yeah. So I pinned him, and then what you do is you dominate them. So you, through the the wraith calibrimbor that's attached to you, you can dominate them and oh, okay. sub- that's all submit ball their- gags and whips. But yeah, all right. sub- yeah, basically submit their will so they become a captain for you instead of yeah. Sauron. But I couldn't because he was too high a level. 
So what you can do when you can't recruit them and they're too high a level is you can shame them, which (laughs) drops their level. So I couldn't I couldn't dominate him. So that shames him and that takes him automatically out of the fight. So when you come come out of the domination screen, he's gone. Like the character quickly disappears behind you, and even if you turn around, like the the actual the orb pisses off. Yeah. But then you can mark them in the army map. So, which is what I did. I went into the army map, I marked him, and then I hunted him down because I knew he would be <laughs> below my level now. So, I then went and hunted this fucker and got him to a point where I could dominate him again. So, you would dom- and now you could recruit him. Yeah. So, you need to break them. So, you need to wear them down in combat to the point where it says broken above their head. And then you can dominate them. Then Louise is sitting next to me on the couch doing her um, uni work. And when. One of the big things when Calibrimbor dominates someone, especially in the early game, he slaps his hand on their head and goes, you're mine! Like in this big, loud, uh, yep. like, like dominating, voice. dominating voice. And yep. I just fucking yelled that because this had been going on for an hour <laughs> at this point. And he's like, I've slapped the hand on him and I've just yelled at the screen, you're mine! And Louise is like, stopped reading and like, like, what the fuck are you doing? <laughs> and watched me. Uh, and I was so happy when I got that, dude. Like, because it was, it was an hour worth of gameplay that had no bearing on anything else I was doing in that game. And it was a thing Lost that was in the minigame. completely unique to me. Uh, mm. And that, that orc probably didn't even appear for anybody else in that specific configuration. Yeah. Yeah. So there are certain orcs that appear in everyone's game, but then it is, yeah, as you said, it's procedurally generated what your orc captains that you you meet in the game and they just continually generate them as you go. So you'll, you you know, if, if there's a, a gap in the army left to, the enemy army left too long, uh, a new captain will appear, especially once you die. If you die, then the game kind of resets and goes, well, cool. Well, there's there's these three these three um, promotional spots. We're just going to put a random orc into it and gener- and push them up. Yeah. Um, the other thing you do, which I don't think Dan really touched on there, is if you shame someone too many times, you actually break their mind and then they become like ungovernable. Um, I don't know if you oh, experienced really? this. Yeah, no. like <laughs> when they go, then they go absolutely crazy. They can't be recruited for either yeah. side. Yeah. So you can actually you can break you can break basically you break their will to live, but then they just become like they don't like speak rodents. anymore. They don't. No, 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 they don't speak anymore. It's just like it's. Their eyes are just like, like wild eyed and crazy. Yeah, 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 yeah. You oh. actually break their minds. Yeah. So I did that to Bruise. I broke Bruise's oh, really? mind. Oh. Yeah. I like Bruise. He's <laughs> Bruisey. Yeah. <laughs> you're food, making me not want- friends. <laughs> you're making me want to play the game. Um, oh, it's a fantastic game. It's a, yeah, sh- it's it's a very, very, very clever. Um, way to generate enemies in a game where you, if you think about it, if you're one captain of Gondor in Mordor, you would be fighting endless fucking orcs. Mm, yeah, like, yeah. So, so and ones that come out and want to kill you and hunt you down. Yeah, and that's what the captains do. So procedurally generated games or elements of or elements in games that are procedurally generated aren't new. They're like. It's a 20, 30-year-old technology. It's not new at all. It's just it's been expressed more recently around games like this and No Man's Sky, and it does lead to these kinds of encounters. But like I put down- I guess this one is is, is where it learns from you as well. So it remembers the Mm. exact attacks you would use. So you can't- If you fought a guy and you managed to disarm him, 
you can't do that the second time. Yeah, so, so it you remembers your adapt. fighting style. It remembers too. your it remembers your fighting style. And That's then there cool. are certain certain guys like if you burn them one too many times, they'll either they'll have a fear of fire, or eventually they'll get over it, and they'll be like, mm. "No, I, I am the fire now." Mm. Um, same with the poison element or, or be- anything else. They become yeah. the Batman, basically. Yeah. yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, but my, my point was so No Man's Sky is obviously procedurally generated, and when you first yeah. play the game, and you understand that you are landing on a planet, name something no one's ever seen before, um, and the particular blend of fauna and flora and even the style of of flora and fauna is completely procedurally generated so it's unlikely anyone's seen that species of dinosaur type Mm. bird with that particular plumage and you know and and that you know whether it's carnivorous it's it's cool for about 10 seconds and you realize that the the procedurally generated nature of the game really doesn't have any bearing on gameplay and so Mm. it is unique but it's not unique and interesting in the way that the Nemesis system is, where Nemesis is mm. unique, yeah. but so specifically driven around the story and plot that it has a point. It's not just doing something for the sake of doing it. It's actually a core point of the game. And it becomes super important in your gameplay because you will be trying to do something specific. You're adapting like a, to their adaptations. Yeah. Like you're trying to get, like there's a thing we, like it's one of the trophies. You have to, you have to dominate four captains of a war chief and then get them all to turn on the war chief when you appear. But the game at some point might be like, but you already, like, you abuse this captain too many times. So when you say, everyone turn, he goes, how about fuck you and, <laughs> and I kill you. you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah, right. So it's, it's, it's one of the cleverest systems I've ever, like, like, played with or, like, especially like that. And it's it's... So enjoyable, and I really wish, like, I know it'll never happen, but it'd be so nice if it got like shared to some other games. Like, it could make like Far Cry games would would benefit from this so much more than I think any other game I've played. Like, because mm. the Far Cry games eventually just come like, all right, here we go, drive my thing in, but I can snipe them all, and then I'm done. But it's like if you if suddenly like it learnt enough to be like. Well, Tom snipes everyone from this exact hill every time, <laughs> so we're gonna like. Climb up his ass while he's lying down with with his eyes. Or just like, you know, mine that part of the hill so we know when he jumps in there and gets out of his car and lies down, he just blows up. It's like, yeah. 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 So I I had another, only yesterday, I had another very unique experience. Uh, I had these two orcs that were blood brothers. And every every time I attacked one, the blood brother comes in to to do it. So to defend him. They. Fucking frustrated me for so long, and I could not kill either of them because they were both really hard, and it, they just they just kept like annihilating me. And so in the end, I had to go and find other captains to uh, mm. dominate, and then pit that captain against one of the blood brothers and lead that blood brother into a trap. And then I did the wrong thing. I actually dominated that blood brother, and then I went after the other <laughs> one. And the one that I dominated turned up at the other fight and said, mate, what do you think you're doing? Like, you tried to dominate me. I'm not working for you anymore. This is my blood brother. I'm going to fight for him again. So I ended up back at square one. (laughs) (laughs) That's fantastic. Yeah, so it's it, it is an absolutely incredible system, and the fact that it's just it's, it's cool so it's, unique. It's unique, yeah, yeah. And, yeah. and so your experience and journey through the game is going to be different to anyone else's mm. because it's impossible for them to be the exact same. 
Um, I don't know. It's, in, I, I, it's improbable. I wouldn't say it's impossible. It's improbable. Sure. Okay. It it could in a certain amount of games still could become monkey monkeys with typewriters. Yeah, it could happen. It, it could happen. Yeah, uh, yeah. it's yeah. improbable, but it's not impossible. Yeah. Okay. So so the only so when I thought about this this spotlight, the only thing I mean, obviously, I'm playing Baldur's Gate three at the moment, and it's a yeah. it's a big feature in in my world at the moment, and I'll talk about that more in Are You Winning Sun? But there was this 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 number that's been floating around the internet for about a year now that there are 17,000 ending variations to the game. Yeah. Now you kind of look at that number and just go, that's, it's probably, even if it's true, it's only true by technicality. It's not a real thing. Yeah. Like Uh, does it depend on who's in your party at the time? Like uh, how much they like you, depending on what they say. I don't know. I'm, I'm walking it back. Um, yeah. in, in terms of my thought process at the moment, because I actually genuinely think that unless you were going out of your way to write down every decision in every quest and and what order you did each step of every quest in, yeah, there's no way that you could repeat the same journey through the game that I did. You would have to use the same characters. You would have to pass the same persuasion, deception, intimidation checks on the same quest characters at the same time you would have to do step one of this quest after step four of this quest and then step three of this quest there's no way that you could sit there and script the exact same journey through the game Hmm. and then you you sit there going right well out of 17,000 possible endings or variations to the ending because there's not that many endings there's about I think there's eight endings eight or nine endings to the game right um how many of the 17,000 are material it depends, and and then it's like, well, then how do you measure materiality? Because I'm playing the game through a second time right now. I'm trying to make the same decisions. I've already played the game, and I've got no intent of really deviating from my first gameplay, like playthrough. I didn't do a good playthrough, and now I'm doing an evil playthrough. So I'm not. My decision making process in my mind isn't fundamentally different, and yet. I'm only halfway through Act One, and I've got a completely different gameplay experience right now than I did through the first game. Which is I've really got interesting characters to say that. I didn't even know existed in my camp. Oh wow! So, in terms of materiality, it might not change the ending of the game, but it sure as shit changes the yeah, fucking journey. experience. Yeah. Mm. Well, I'm I'm actually on the opposite side of that because I'm I'm back in Dragon Age Inquisition because I'm a psycho um, <laughs> and like. I'm definitely remembering now as I go through it. It's like without it, like it's been ten years since I played the game for everyone playing mm. at home. Um, and in those ten years, I've obviously forgotten all the exact choices I made. Yeah, but I'm definitely now going. Oh, I remember this cutscene. And if it's meant to be like a pivotal choice cutscene, it's like, well, it shouldn't be that. No, no, it can't be that similar. It's like I'm, I'm, I am making the same decisions that I made ten years ago based on the character. But it's like I would have to drastically change what I'm trying to do to, to get a different, di- different, different, different playthrough. Mm. I think so. Whereas I'm on- doing the opposite. I'm purposely trying to match the same decisions because I liked. Also, it was it's a fresh one for you? Like, yeah, yeah. And and the rest I might reserve for for um, Are You Winning, Son? But yeah, no. Yeah. Certainly, in terms of unique gaming experiences, somebody else has probably seen most of what I'm seeing. Yeah. But for me to play the same game twice back to back 
and diverge at Act One is yeah. pretty fucking no, that's, impressive. That's 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 big. Um, yeah, yeah. You guys keep talking. I need to grab my fourth beer. Go grab your fourth beer. <clears throat> yeah, I mean, I, I just don't know. Like when I think about this in terms of unique game experiences, I I, I always go like kind of similar to the Nemesis system and think one of the big things that always it changes a gameplay experience for me is traversal systems mm. and how much you can break and bend them. And I think Emma really loves watching me just go, it won't let me get up this mountain. I'm <laughs> fucking getting over it. I'll figure out a way. Uh, I know it would take me 10 minutes to walk around uh, it, yep. but I'm going to figure out a way to go all up and over. Yep. Yeah. And this it's like, the- what? Kind of also why I was saying horses were useless in Assassin's Creed when you could just climb everything. Yeah. Oh, no, exactly. But, oh, I mean, Assassin's Creed's perfect for that. Like, how would you, you know, you've, you've got a, let's say for argument's sake, a, a four-walled building and you've got old mate you need to kill in the middle. And it's just yep. like, well, if I come from the left, am I going to experience it differently from that way? If I, if I come from the right, am I going to have to go up another story and then I can just, like, hop over and jump straight down onto him? Uh, which one? Which which entry point gets me the best exit point? If I want to just do a quick assassination, but I think traversal is a big thing in like how you can make or break a system. And I often test a game based on how I can bend their traversal system. Mm. Um, and look, Spider Man was fun with that because it's definitely like the way you would approach a fight in terms of swinging versus gliding was like. But it was kind of the same of like with with Arkham series, like you could glide in that, and then it's like, well, if I'm am I gonna am I gonna silently glide in and then approach this kind of predator style, or am I mm. gonna rev up the, the the bat tank and just blow everyone to like smithereens if I can? Um, yeah, definitely. Arkham Knight gave you all those extra tools, including the Batmobile, in there, yeah. and it's like it, even in just the the predator sister, the predator scenes that were in. Uh, high rises where the where the Batmobile couldn't get there, yeah. uh, then you you had a bunch of tools at your disposal. It's like, yep, you know what? Here's your playground. Fucking yeah. go nuts. Am I going loud? Am I going silent? And mm. like, you know, it's yeah. There are there like you like kind of Pete like said there are there are a certain number of branches you can go on for that. But to get the exact branches again, like you, you you'd have to have a pretty like photographic memory of like yeah cool so i i i, I bat gelled that wall while i was over here slinging that guy up from from a gargoyle and then i like like flew onto that guy and kicked him out from behind and then set everything off but, how, but so so I've, I've come in back to this conversation halfway through i guess my yeah. question to you would be how material is are those decisions because whilst your experience might be unique yeah. Do they have a material impact on the, the overall experience? I think it changes the way you experience, especially when you're playing as a character. Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah. Like, because the way it I was It wasn't a loaded question. It was no, 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 no. It's a great yeah. question. But I, I think it is. it comes back to that, like, how much do you want to embody that character? Mm. So if I'm thinking about Batman's, like- But also, who are you embodying precisely is mm. often the question. Mm. Well, I, I, let's, let's focus on Arkham Knight then, like- We've all, we've all played the Arkham series, and it's like, mm. do you want to be like, like, do you go 
Or no, actually better, Ghosts. Ghosts of Tsushima because we all played that <laughs> and we went so different because yeah. I fully embodied the ghost thing, whereas Dan was like, no, I am a strict samurai. And Dan and I you, ended up very similar. Yeah, which you, was, you, you definitely leaned more into the samurai side. But it was surprising for both Dan and I. Yeah. That, that, uh, I fully like expected Dan and you to go full ghost. Yeah. yeah. So, yeah, it's, it's one of those things. It's just like- what? How do you see? Because that did affect the story, like at the mm. end of it, like mm. it, it affected the certain conversations you had with the NPCs, and it's just like your experience of it is. I need to play it straight and fucking narrow, and I'm like, cool. I'm going to poison dudes from from a mile away and just sit back and go, job done. Well done, Thomas. <laughs> just, <laughs> just, I mean, I, I it's been probably close to two years since I played Ghosts, and yet the memory of holding down the the button or, or pressing the button the precise moment to cut the guy's head off as he attacked me is yeah. still insanely satisfying in my memory. For for literally pressing a button, it was in it was mm. very visceral. But it was perfectly timed. And I loved yeah. that the timing got tighter the, the higher the difficulty too. I thought yes. that was a nice touch. Very nice touch. Yeah. But, but also like, the, yeah. the the cleverness of that and incorporating if you wore the full Sakai armor. You mm-hmm. got more advantage in the samurai yes. standoff, but if you wore the full ghost armor, you got more advantage in your ghost tastic. So yeah. they've, they've yeah. definitely, like, hundred percent, they've known that this is going towards this gameplay, and that is going towards that gameplay. Yeah. And if they're going, people want to do these certain things, then we are going to provide the tools for that player yeah. to do what they want to do. Yeah, yeah. Um, I think. I think a lot of the time when we have these, like when we talk about this sort of stuff, and and a lot of what is kind of coming out in my head in this in this conversation specifically is, yeah, there's two or three paths, and whilst your specific journey might be somewhat different, they gravi- you gravitate towards these large streams, and so if you were to map it, they they'd kind of all kind of gravitate around these two or three streams of gameplay style. Yeah. You're either going stealth or you're going loud. That's that's true for Assassin's Creed. That's true for Ghost of Tsushima. And there might be some subtlety in between or some variations mm. in between. You're primarily going to gravitate towards loud or, or or sneaky. There definitely is for, especially for me, for the Arkham and Arkham Knight uh, in particular because you had that, that extra element that they threw in. I forget what they were ever called when you would pop up out of a floor or drop down and you would highlight oh, the, the, the vent, the vent takedowns. Yeah, no, no, the it was there was detective uh, mode, but no, 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 no. It was something to do when you got the upgraded suit, you were able to take four or five guys out in a oh the yeah the the multiple takedown yeah the the multiple takedown. It had a name. I can't remember what it was, but I would probably the bat takedown. If we're going to be completely honest, (laughs) (laughs) Um, the I would if I could find a situation to use that and take four or five guys out in a predator situation or even three guys out just because I enjoyed the visuals of that. I enjoyed marking them and going bang, 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 grapple away. Like even if they saw me get to there, it was fun then to shoot the, 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 well, then uh, you, you you kind of grappled around and like you lost them. Yeah. Yeah. You would, you, you had all these extra tools. You use the, um, the, the, the cross line, the zip line, and then you could stop halfway and pull yourself up mm. onto the line and you could create all these extra things that you could tackle that how you wanted to tackle. And one of the things I've always wanted to do is go back and play all those challenge maps and get the stars. The biggest things that stop me doing any of that is fucking load times 
because if I <laughs> fuck it up in the first 10 seconds, I don't want to wait two minutes for it to reload. I want it yeah. to be instantaneous. Yeah. So hopefully in any sort of update they do for Arkham Knight, we get a SSD load time update for the well, PS5. Well, you, you do get to do the similar style like web lines in, in Spider-Man 2 where you get to connect webs together. I saw that the other day, yeah. yeah. That was very fun where you, you literally built a web mm. above and then you just walked along it, picked guys off at random and then just tied them up. And That's yeah. fucking cool. Yeah. Um, the only other part of, of this conversation that, that came to mind when we were talking about it offline was um, just MMOs. Any any massive on- oh, well, it doesn't yeah. even have to be massive, but any online game where you're playing with your mates or playing with people that you know, um, our our experiences in Grand Theft Auto, Dan, and Red Dead Redemption before that with with Chris and Sui, completely unique to us. And that's an online game that everyone else is experiencing. It's the same mechanic, but the actual pathway through that game was unique to us. Um, World of Warcraft, the memories I've got of that were made with the the people that I was with more yeah. than the the bosses. My boss fight with that boss is different to everybody else's because of the people I was with, and you know. That- oh, my mates I played Titan Quest Two with have still never forgiven me because we beat the final boss. It was three AM. We're in an internet cafe in Chatswood, and I went, "Cool, we've finally done this after how many months of playing this game for like a six-hour session, like every other week." And I went, "All right, all right. Well, you know, I've got to get the fucking bus home, so guess I'm going to go to the portal." And I left them in Hades. Because they, they, their characters didn't come through with me. Oh. And they've still never forgiven me. You've it's, been, <laughs> it's been two decades. Like- but but we, we, so our guild had a, a, a guy who famously, we, we, I mean, that was where came from for me, was he, was he would famously be the guy, because hunters in World of Warcraft had the longest range in the game. And yeah. so if, the, if you were trying to clear a dungeon to get to a boss, you would want to pull trash mobs in groups but not pull the whole fucking dungeon in one go and so he would be the guy that we sent out to go and hey can you go and shoot this group of four and bring them back to the raid and he would constantly aggro the whole fucking dungeon (laughs) just 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 not through not through not through any intent just through sheer stupidity which is why we called him our hunter because he was a fucking hunter he would go into a cave and pull everything every fucking time sorry guys i didn't mean to he must have just seen me around the corner like no dude man like you just have no situational awareness but it drove our it drove the whole guild storyline not just our experience on any given night because you couldn't raid without the guy because it wasn't the same experience and so even though he fucked us up and he led to so much frustration it wasn't a guild raid without him there. Oh, so absolutely, yeah. His name was this Turtle. Makes, Great that guy. leads into my, my uh, Are You Winning, son? So when we get to yeah. that, I'll uh, voice well, my, let's, my let's experience. Quickly let, have a beer and then bridge we'll- that with the- Yeah, let's talk about fourth beers and we'll get into it. Yes, who's going I'm going to go first. I'm going to go first. I am having a- You're ready to be dazzled? Amazed. Look at that. Whoa. <laughs> this is the Aether Brewing West Coast IPA. Um, this is, I'm assuming, just like their. Does I'm it have a name, it. or is it just the West Aether, Coast? Aether West Coast IPA. Okay. It is nice and simple. What 6%? style is it? Is it a is it a, a sour? It's a brute sour. Um, yeah. It is D's nuts. 
uh, Ligma balls uh, variety um, is the hops <laughs> they used. Uh, yeah, no. So I, I, I'm assuming this is just their West Coast. There's literally nothing on the can. There's none. This is useless. This this is once I've emptied it, it's it's just garbage. Um, but it is a very very well made West Coast. Nice solid malt based body. It is nice and bitter. Um, little bit. Actually, I'd say yeah. This is more what the the pineiness and and like or pine as in pineapple, like that sharp pineapple flavor that I was probably hoping to get through the tangerine. I'm getting that in this. It, it's quite quite like when the sweetness becomes sharp. It's mm. that that mm. that at the top. Um, but there's there's a lot of citrus going through it. Um, it's it's very good. It's if this is a core range, this is great. Um, I, I'm guessing. They have listed here that the it is original art on the can. Uh, the artist's name is Karen Lynch. It's called Beach Vibes. It's their collage art. So maybe they've just taken their core range and been like, hey, let's get an artist series going, which I think is very cool too. Um, but yeah, so yep, Aether from uh, from Northgate in Queensland. And that's a, that's a solid four and a half. That's a really, really well-made West Coast IPA. Nice. Yeah. Cool. Going down a treat. Dan? I've got the the other uh, AMSAT malt uh, beer that I got from Temple Brewing in uh, Victoria, uh, Grizzly Times. It is an American brown ale, and this is made with the AMSAT dark crystal and chocolate malts, and it's light on the chocolate malt side of things. Actually, it's light on both malt side of things, but both of those malts are beautiful and clean and fresh. Like there's that that real subtle dark fruit characteristic. Uh, there's that real soft uh, chocolate character. So when we were at the malt tasting, we we tried uh, the the actual malts themselves, and somebody had the dark crystal and said they were like those little um, brown baby lollies that you used to get. Uh, they were that kind of sweet. They got renamed because they were too racist. The they, name of they, those. They, they did. did. I don't know what they got renamed to, though. <laughs> that's why you're. <laughs> I'll look it up can't in uh, incog- name them because incognito you- mode. That's why I can't name them. Yes. So, but those little those little brown jelly babies uh, they're now called cheekies, cheekies, which isn't far from the original. It's yeah, not far from the yeah, original. yeah. But that's that's what they <laughs> that's what they described the the malt as, and it was a really good description of it because it had that slight sweetness to it, but that that yeah. light that light chocolatey character to it as well, and that's coming through in this product as well as that dark fruit, uh, a, a light dark fruit character, and it's got a fucking good level of bitterness to it for an American brown. It's like a nice strong but not overpowering bitterness. It's not overly sweet or anything like that. It's just got the right amount of residual sugar, it's just completely balanced across all the board. There's no hop character there to overpower it. Um, just that that bitterness works with that 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 malt character. It's really phenomenal product as well. So yeah. Um Pete's just looked up something inappropriate as well because he just laughed. No, so. Actually it's it's not. It was I, I'm waiting for you to finish out of respect because I didn't want to interrupt your flow. Well that's something new. <laughs> Uh, <laughs> so I, yourself, Dan. I, you know what? You know what? I'm giving that a five as well. Yeah! Wow! Nice. Wow! Yeah, nice. Because I, nice. I think I think both of those beers are phenomenal beers, and I would be more than happy to drop a hundred bucks on a case of any one of those, and just sit there and drink that 
whenever I wanted a, a good beer. And they just, they're bold flavors, but not palate destroying. So they are good starters and in between beers and finishing beers, whichever way mm. you want to put it. But yep. to, to, to have something that's high hop or high bitterness or something else in or sour or whatever, this would completely reset, reset you to a happy place. And then you can move on from there. I got to say, like, astounded because I, and this is going to be mean, but I'm going to say it. I can't remember the night, last time I had a good beer from Temple. Yeah. Okay. I'm not yeah. sure if I've ever had one. I'm sure I have, but yeah. They, they were, we they haven't were had more- them on the podcast often. We've had no, them on the they, they, they used to be more prevalent in, in Sydney, being Melbourne Mace Brewery. They used to have more of a representation up here years ago and they, they dropped off, but yeah. If if Temple want to come at me and we want to have a, a battle royale, I'll destroy you. Um, but yeah, let's fight. Let's so no. so what we've started a fight with Temple <laughs> and Dangerous Ales this uh, this round. This round, well, yeah, like last episode, <laughs> two other breweries. Going to end up in a destruction yeah. derby with us in the middle, but sure. Diggity <laughs> damn. Uh, moving on from Tom's dream, so I'm having a Sailor's Grave. God save the sponge. Ooh, what was that one? I didn't see that one. Yeah. Does Dan need to, to wee? Is that what that- I do, I, Yeah, I do. I was going, okay. and then you intrigued me with the beer you had. So this is an Imperial Strawberry Cream Sour, um, and it's, yeah, but it's fucking spectacular. Oh, God damn it. See, I've, got the, I've got their apple pie one in the fridge, and I didn't have it today, and I might have it after this. Yeah, and I know, uh, like, and, and because I know that one of Dan's favourite Beers is the cake hole in terms of sweet beers, yeah. Because he's yeah. not a big sweet beer drinker, but I know how much he loves cake hole. And the that was the Black Forest Sour Moondog, no, no Moondog Black Forest Stout, Stout. Yes, um, this is kind of right up his alley because whilst this is a sour, not a stout, yeah. it's it's decadent in the right kinds of ways. So yeah. um, you get a shitload of strawberry, which you would expect out of an Imperial Strawberry Cream Sour. But I've got to say that there's enough vanilla balancing against it that, and then you kind of combine the vanilla flavors hmm. with the creamy mouthfeel and you get sponge. Does, um, like, Sailor's Grave, kings of the weird beer, hmm. um, does it say where they got, like, the strawberries from? Is it, like, a, a local farm or anything? Like, I have no idea. Uh, I, I'm looking I, it up, but I just thought I'd ask see if it was on the can. Uh, no, there's n- no blurbage on the can other than no blurbage. God save the sponge, Imperial Strawberry Cream Sour. Lie back and think of England. It's literally all it says on the back, other than the pregnancy warning. And I'm pretty certain I'm not pregnant. Um, Thank God for that. No, so so Dan, given how much I know you love cake hole, this is right up your alley. It's a different style of beer. Obviously, it's not a stout, but um, it's a sour that's not. It's acidic rather than sour, and I know there are words on the same kind of spectrum, but there is a difference to them. Um, the vanilla, if you add the vanilla flavors against the the creamy mouthfeel, you end up with sponge cake, which is mm. exactly mm. where it's 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 marketed. And then strawberry prevails through the whole thing. Oh, this mm. is their seventh birthday beer. Yes, it is. Yep. Oh, uh, this regal nice. dessert star in a uh, is velvet in a glass full of luscious strawberries and creamy vanilla. 
roll out the red carpet, polish your finest glassware, lie back and think of England. Um, no, it's excellent. I'm going to give that a 4.75. Lovely. Yes. Smashing beer. Pip, pip and all that, eh? Tom, are you winning, son? This just in. The Jerrys have crossed the river in their whirly birds. Um, yes, <laughs> I am winning. I was winning and then I Stopped decided winning. to punish myself. Uh, uh, I, I, I blitzed through Spider-Man 2. That was the last time I spoke about what I was playing. It was um, Spider-Man 2. I had a great time. Um, the story was great. Uh, it finished strong. Um, I, I, I love those games. So that was, it was just nice to be back in that world. Um, they did a really good job of uh, like cementing both playing as Peter and Miles in the same game. I think they balanced it really well, um, and each had their benefits of, of playing as that. the The Venom storyline was kind of a rehash of like a mismatch of like a bunch of Venom storylines, but it worked. It worked really well for the for the universe they've created there. Um, and there were limited Mary Jane missions, which was great. <laughs> 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 That is the but measurement yeah. of success oh, in a Spider-Man yeah. game. Yeah. yeah. So no, I'm sorry still- while I, cr- I crawl across this art gallery. There was mm. one or two Mary Jane missions, but they've decided to give her a um, a uh, a gun, a, a taser, basically a taser. Something more to do. Can she use it on herself and skip the mission? Uh, unfortunately not. I tried. Um, I did turn the gun on myself. Uh, I went full uh, Goma pile on that one. Um, but, uh, <laughs> yes, no, then I jumped into Doom Eternal. Fantastic, loved it. Breeze through it. Breeze, probably not the best term to use. <laughs> I rip and tore through it. I yeah. had such a fantastic, visceral, ultimate, like hyper violent time with it. Um, and I'm still a day to day normal human. So, you know, that's just well, proof that video as games, much as you well, would for. Yeah, yeah, everything's relative. Um, I, I did say to, I think I messaged, I'm not sure if I messaged you both or just messaged Dan, but I, um, it was I just one. I had one instance uh, where Emma came home and I've she, she's not good with the really visceral games that I play sometimes. And so she, she came home from the gym, sat down on the couch, and I was in the middle of like a very tense like moment. It was late in the game and didn't have my headphones on. So there's obviously like thrash metal playing. There is well, like techno thrash metal or whatever you want to call it. Um, I'm ripping people's heads off. I'm chainsawing <laughs> through guys because in this it's just game, sensory the, overload in about well, eight seconds. Well, this is the thing. Flat. Like in, in in the first Doom 2016, you had so much more ammo to play with, but mm. in this one, they they really push you towards using the chainsaw to get ammo to the point where your chainsaw somehow mysteriously regenerates fuel. Um, demons, whatever, don't care. So like. It's great for, for someone like me or Dan or yourself. It's just like, ah, cool. <laughs> no, um, but I was doing this and literally like finished the fight and it's it's quite tense, like, like yeah. music behind it. And the music does reinforce the heartbeat. And Emma fucking- just turns with this face of like, what the fuck? And I was like, yeah. And she's like, why are you so calm? And I was like, it's actually quite soothing for me. Yeah. And then she goes. And that's, that's why we've all got seats in hell. Well, I think at that point she was like, really rethinking this whole marriage thing. <laughs> pretty Are pretty you sure. Okay? Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, it was it was good. It was fun. It was really like Doom Eternal really leans more into the like the fantasy nature of the Doom series. Like um Doom 2016 was like it was it was space based, but it was sci-fi-ish, but it was it was it was grounded. Like 
besides the fact of yeah. killing demons. You know, it was grounded. Yeah. It was just more about the, the the visceral, the visceral violent nature of the game. Whereas this is like kind of leading into this so much lore. I did the anti Sui playthrough. I picked up every single piece of lore and read it and read it and read it and actually really enjoyed it. I I, I thought it was fascinating. Like I'd I'd love to have a little. Which is what the, got Dan through it. This is a Doom mm. lore. Oh, his was halfway through. I I was straight from the start. Um. And then I've just got the multiplayer to finish. The multiplayer is a massive disappointment compared to 2016. I said to Dan, um, so they changed the multiplayer from just straight deathmatch, which is what Doom and Quake were obviously built on, Mighty yeah. Software. This is now, it's those, that hunter style of game, that multiplayer gameplay where you've got two on one. So you either play as the slayer or you play as a demon, um, mm. but the demon can then summon sub-demons. So you play as a high demon, you can summon sub-demons. Yeah, that's right. You talk to Strop. Because of the trophy, yeah, and it's just it's as as the as the slayer playing it. Unless you're one of the most skilled people playing as the slayer, you you there's no winning. There's no it's games are over in thirty seconds. It's not fun. It's it's not good. Like you need to find a group to like boost it. Um, but the story the story itself was was cool. I'll definitely probably download the DLCs and play through them. I think they're they're great. I'll play through Horde mode. That sounds really cool as well. Um, but while I was waiting, I, I, I'm Talked to some guys online and we talked about playing multiplayer. It's I think it's fizzled out, so we'll we'll pick up a time to do it. Um, I went back to Dragon Age Inquisition, which is my it's my Ahab, it's my white whale, it's my yeah, it's my Moby Dick. Um, I've never been able to finish this nightmare playthrough. I'm not very good at those really tactical RPG games. I always pick the wrong class. <laughs> uh, after I started my my nightmare playthrough, I was like. Why am I dying so often? And I looked up like a playthrough. Pete's dying over there. He's allergic to my bullshit. Um, allergic but, to uh, my own bullshit. <laughs> but I, I they, like every every single guy just read, play as a mage. Play as a mage or a rogue. Do not play as a warrior. So naturally, I play as a warrior. Um, so I've <laughs> given course. myself the hardest version of the nightmare playthrough. Um, and then there's just been like, the more I've gone back and played it, and especially after years, like I enjoyed it when it first came out. I thought it was like a really nice story. It was it was cool. It was well built, well fleshed out. But going back now and playing it and being super frustrated by it, I'm starting to nitpick so many things that are wrong yeah. with it. And mm. it's just you can't run. And just fuck off. It's a fantasy game. Like, let me I know I'm wearing full armor, but let me run a bit faster than just a trot because yeah. When you when you overpower me in a in any sort of fight and then send me back to the last like save point, I then have to physically do another five minutes running to get back to where I was to try again, to then fail, to then try again, to then fail. And then unfortunately, the only way I'm succeeding in this game now, and I will hand on heart say this, it's basically cheating, is because they released a DLC, which is a tie back to Dragon Age 2. It's like a store, but they it's it's got really expensive, high powered weapons in it. But as soon as you can afford one, you buy one and you blitz through it. So now I've got this super powered yeah. axe, and I can suddenly kill the things that were just demolishing me before. And I'm like, this but is you shouldn't have to rely on that kind of. No, I'd rather go back. And I said to you guys, like, I'd rather go back and grind through, like, building up my level. Mm. But yeah, sure, eventually I'd I'd fight guys that are like six levels below me, but I'd still be grinding away. I'd rather mm. have a 300-hour gameplay where I'm just like, no, I, I, I slaved away to get to this powerful level. Yeah. Now I can kill the big boss. Then what I'm currently doing, which is I'm still having to do all that, but I've now got this kind of like 
uber weapon, which I can destroy things with. It's like <laughs> it kind of it's it's just it's so imbalanced. And then the more like and then talking with with Pete about like the Baldur's Gate like the multiple endings, I had to replay a certain mission the other day. It took me ten minutes because I was I'm, I have this overpowered weapon now, so I can just blitz through it. But I deliberately went and chose different like conversation paths at the end when you're talking with the character that you're playing through the mission with. Exactly the same outcome. Didn't matter. Mm, yeah. If I was a dick, if I was joking, or if I was compassionate, didn't matter. I was like, yeah. out the same way. Cool. Yeah. So anyway, I will finish it. I will defeat it, and then. I've never done this before, but I think I will snap that disc in half. <laughs> <laughs> I knew you were going to say that somehow. I, yeah, yeah. It's. <laughs> I could feel the energy two, leading into that. 2014, I started that game, and I have oh, wow. yeah. gone on and off on it over the last decade. Like, I played through it originally, got to the end of the story, and I played through on normal mode, and, like, took me forever to do it, but I did it. And now I'm playing through it, and I'm just like, yeah, that that's... Uh, that's that's getting a hammer taken to it, or a snap, or yeah, or melted down, whatever. I'll, I'll find <laughs> maybe multiple ways to slag it. Yeah. Yep. Anyway, yeah, definitely. Danny, yep. you winning, son? Not for me. Yeah. <laughs> convincing, convincing, very convincing. Yeah. 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 I'm winning. So if everybody likes and sus- subscribes, I'm winning. Um, <laughs> just fucking who wrote that? I Jesus did. Christ. It's about yeah. as clunky as mine. Yeah. yeah. Um, <laughs> <laughs> it's worse every time. Um, I'm so, actually hurt. <laughs> yeah. you, you, so you could have you woven that in however you like, Dan. It was just a reminder. It was, it was written though, in just, big, bold letters on our notes, so <laughs> it was coming out first. Because I did it before and you ignored it last episode. So, oh, you know. oh, it's probably because I, I, by this stage I'm usually far too gone to even bother having the notes open to read them. God, I yep, didn't even anyway. read my own notes when it came to writing all that shit about Return to Moria. So... I don't know how I'm going to read your notes, but anyway, <laughs> yes. Uh, so outside of Return to the Mo- Return to Moria: Shadow of War, my two my two solo playthrough games at the moment. Uh, your, Lord, my, your Lord of the Rings kick, yeah, my Lord of the Rings kick. My my Friday night crew. We just finished uh, about a three month playthrough of a seven dollar game uh, called Seven Days to Die, uh, which is a zombie building survival game built okay, by. Yeah. I think it's built by one person. I don't know, but it's. It's like every seventh day, there's like hordes of. It's a blood moon basically, and you get a you get right. a massive horde. So you got to go hunker down somewhere, and you reinforce the building through all the traps and everything that you've learned to build over your your time and that. And so that that's been that's been super fun. That's the that's the Friday nights I play with Kelvin, Sui, and Steve, and we all take very different routes on how we play these uh play these games. So it's it's fun developing, and I mean this rolls off our unique gameplay experiences. I mean, these pre- uh, procedurally generated worlds with four different people that can literally destroy the map uh, mm. to, to to play. So the last night we played Seven Days to Die was last Friday and the the hospital that... Hospital? No, it was like an industrial building that we'd hunkered down on for basically three quarters of the time we'd been playing. Our goal was just destroy the building. The zombies have to bring down the building. So right. the there's a certain server <sighs> settings that they can put in. So Sui runs the server and he put in zombie damage to blocks was like like ten times the, the base amount and the nights yeah. were longer and all this. So 
we did that. We ran through two blood moons because it was a blood moon every night. I'm pretty sure it was the second blood moon that the building came down. So that that was our goal at the end of that game because there's no story, so there's no real end game to it. Yeah. So we we ran a we ran a blood moon. Um, we brought down that building, uh, and then we moved on. Uh, and then we started to play a game, a squad, a four man squad based game called GTFO. Okay. And it's been basically named as like the hardest squad game. Their tagline is work together or die together. Yeah. I think they should take the work together out of it and just have die together as their <laughs> their tagline oh, for okay. their game. Yeah. Because it is we we I died four times in the tutorial. Like that's like it just Fuck. kicked my it just kicked my ass like badly. Is that so, a balancing issue though, or is it no, like- no, no? It's like it's meant to be like that. It's yeah. it's a it's a tactical thing. You pick the wrong tactic. You pick the wrong. So it's a first person shooter. You're a yep. prisoner that needs to go. There there is some story to it. It's kind of like it's it's kind of like if um if aliens had taken a twenty year step forward. And mm. not had 70, 70s, 80s futuristic retro kind of 70s and 80s tech. And it was yeah. 90s tech in 2020, like 2050 kind of thing. Mm. Uh, if it had taken that that time frame and just moved it, moved it forward, all the tech, all the the uh, computer-based systems are very DOS-based command systems. The IT guys, Pete, you'd understand too. Because you you understand that language, Kel sits there at the terminals and just types in commands to ping things and look things up on the map. But they're real life commands that you have to put yeah, into right. these terminals to find things. But you're also incredibly fragile with a very limited ammo base, uh, and we played the first map four or five times and just got fucking annihilated. absolutely wiped out at the same point every time because you set a security door off and you just get a wave of these they're called sleepers they're kind of like the clickers in the last of us but they're Mm -hmm. all they're all the clickers there's no in-betweens um and they just they they come at you and uh you set an alarm off so they all hoard to where you are they break down doors you can only carry one tool, which is a turret or a gun that reinforces the door or a bioscanner or something like that, and two yeah. weapons, uh, a main and a primary. Yeah. And then you pick up bits and pieces away. You pick up ammo packs, but, like, super limited resources. Uh, and then, basically, you get to your objective and you GTFO. Uh, and we got to – we finally, after a couple of playthroughs, relievingly got to the primary objective and we're like, fuck. How do we play this? Like the game is called GTFO. Do we just get the fuck out, or what do we do <laughs> from here? Do we fight mm. the horde that we know is coming, or do we just fucking run? So mm. we stupidly chose the wrong option to stay. Yep, you yeah. stayed to fight the horde. Yeah, yeah, we stayed to fight the horde, uh, or you we got, tried. You got, we- you got penisy kid. <laughs> <laughs> we. We we tried to move and then stop and fight and then move and then stop and fight and it just they just annihilated us because the big the big guys come the tanks come and they just they wipe us out and anyway we got through to the the we got to the, through to the primary objective the, the next time because we knew where to lay the turrets and how to tactically work the level uh, and then uh, we got the fuck out but and that was that was round one that was map one <laughs> map one uh, and so we played map two. 
Uh, and yeah, we got fucked. Like, totally. Because like, you, you just have to throw those tactics out the window and you have to There's take a, f- a little bit of what you learn and go forward, but the maps adapt are completely it, adapt it more than just, anything. Yeah. yeah. There's, a f- there's a fine line in these types of games between <clears throat> forcing a group of people to work together and, and adapt to each other's personalities and, and, and overcome through, through coming together versus just being too fucking difficult and getting frustrating and people abandoning the game. And it's a very fine line between those two extremes. And I think this game absolutely sits on the working together side of that line. It's it's that's cool. It's that's really cool. Incredibly difficult. Um considering four people that have been playing video games for twenty five years and these types of games too that mm. were just annihilated. Um, mm. we could churn our way through it. Like you yeah. but you you come down to talking about your hunter drawing the entire the entire dungeon to you. In the second map, we were getting to these rooms that were just filled with fog. And we're like, fuck. Do we try and take the first couple out and then sneak in and take the next couple? Which is the idea of it. Mm. What we thought was the idea of it. But I think what we discovered about that second map was just draw each room to you. Set up a kill zone. Draw yep. each room to, room to you, which is not how the first map ran. Yeah. So right. be interesting if we can get through this second map, uh, what the third map then holds and what the, the future holds, because there must be, I think on this first level, there's uh, one, two, uh, seven, maybe nine missions within the first tier. Uh, and yeah. then you, there's there's only three lots of tiers to go. So mm. um I, I think it's an incredibly well-created game. I love how they've created the maps and the HUDs and it all feels, it's all meant to lead to you being a little bit insane and being quite disturbing. And I think the sound design and the map design and everything is just that little bit frustrating, but well-designed frustrating. It's not poorly designed. It's it's the sound design and how they've structured it all that makes you makes your brain itch a little bit. So... <laughs> Yes, I'm winning. Cool. Are you winning, son, Pete? That's cool. Uh, after that, I don't even know how to follow that. Um, <laughs> Probably talk about your game. I am absolutely winning. This is, yeah. But I've had, an, the, the problem is we get to the end of the episode and I've had enough time for the alcohol to really soak into my brain. And so I feel like the Are You Winning, Son segment for me is always just this blah, blah, blah. Yeah, it was really fucking good. Um, but. Yes, it is. Then write notes. <laughs> I've got, I've got a million notes, but yeah, then read I should them. write them. So, 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 Baldur's Gate Three is one of the very first games that I have ever played. That I have finished. I've put a hundred and sixty hours into to finish oh. the game, and then immediately gone back to the very beginning of the game. And instead of doing a speed run to clean up trophies. I am playing the game through like I did the first time around, playing it slow. So you're not playing it differently, or would you? I, I, you know what? I I went in with the intention of playing it difficult, uh, dif- differently, and yeah. it's funny how it's it's shaken out because. So I went. So the first time, first time round, I played probably the really traditional, typical soy boy playthrough. <laughs> I was a a paladin, so I was super good 
kind-hearted, protected all of the the innocence. You know, I I, I was a goody-goody two-shoes all the way through. Was so the my exact main character. opposite of you. Yeah, right. <laughs> Pretty much, yeah. Yeah, because I'm chaos incarnate. Um, I had a relationship with the character that's very clearly designed to be the one that you have the relationship with yeah. because even when you're not romancing her, she's still flirty as fuck every time she talks to you. Um, and I played that supporting character in her original in-game class. Like, I didn't okay. fuck with anyone's classes. So you pick up all these side characters from the tutorial mission onwards throughout the course of Act 1 and Act 2 you pick up all of these extra characters that you can then bring into your party of four. How um, many how many characters are there? And like, is it like a like a cast of twelve? Yes. Or- oh, I want to yeah. say there's probably ten to twelve. Um, yeah. Some I didn't even meet until the start of uh, sorry, the end of Act Two. So, like two thirds of the way through the game, I'm meeting yeah, this yeah, character. Yeah, well, yeah, yeah. um. And they've all, they all come with classes uh, that, that they're predisposed to. Their background and their race supports them. They're already in that class, so they could be a, a ranger or a wizard or a rogue or a yep, sorcerer yep, or whatever. Yep. Um, and so my first first playthrough, I was a, my main character that you get to roll was a paladin, uh, and then I had a cleric, a rogue, and a, a wizard, which is a very traditional D&D party of four. Because you have a tank, who's your pally, you've got a healer, your cleric, and then you've got two DPSs. Usually you want a melee DPS, who in my case was a rogue because he could lock pick, pick locks, and then a magical DPS. That way you can pretty much overcome any challenge most D&D DMs, dungeon masters would throw at you. That was my first playthrough. And because I, you know, I'm a completionist and I like platinum trophies, I played every side quest I could find. I went out of my way to explore every to unlock the fog of war on every map. Yeah. I played every quest. I talked to mm. every NPC. I completed the game as best as I possibly could. And so when it came to the second playthrough, I'm like, well, the one issue I've got with this game is pacing for, for experience. You hit level cap at the start of the third act, not the end of the third act. Oh, and yeah, I've got to say yeah, yeah. that is a problem for pacing in the game. You, there's nothing to look forward to in terms of character progression other than, you know, half a percent increase in stats because you found a new piece of loot. That's the only reason to do it other than narrative and close the, the quests. But I did it anyway. Went to play through the second time and I thought, you know what? This time I'm going to min-max. I'm playing in tactician mode to get the trophy. It's the most difficult level, uh, most difficulty that the game offers the highest level of difficulty that the game offers and it does scale up difficulty in lots of interesting ways you get less turns to do any of the timed quests so it's a bunch of time quests where you know in my first playthrough which was on balance you got six turns to complete the whole map for this mini quest now i will only get four right um turns out that the uh, roll to attack, which is something that Dan, you'll understand being a DM. Um, so you roll a d20 and you have to exceed armor class after you add all of these bonuses. Well, there's a synthetic two hit, uh, two uh, minus two penalty in tactician mode. So there's a bunch of other ways that they've ramped difficulty beyond the obvious of just extra hit points and lower damage. Um, 
But I've tried to do all the same quests in the same way, but this time I thought, fuck it, I'm going to min-max. I'm going to multi-class all my characters. I'm going to exploit the shit out of the D&D 5th edition rules as best I can. So I don't have a rogue. I've got a ranger who at 6th level is also a level 1 rogue, so she can stack her bonuses to range damage with her bonuses to melee damage because a crossbow is technically a melee weapon, just a distance-based one. Um... And yet I'm still getting my ass kicked. I'm still trying to do all the same side quests the same way. I'm still a decent character. I'm not quite perfect, but I'm decent. And ironically, my main is still a pally. And yet my second playthrough is very fucking different to the first. Interesting. I met a character that I didn't think you could even meet until Act 2. I walked past him at the start of Act 1. I'm like, the <laughs> fuck are you doing here? I spoke to everyone. Where the fuck were you the first time round? Yeah. And now he's in my camp. I've had yeah, NPCs wow. in my camp that I didn't even know that you could put in your camp. Mm. And I'm I, so I'm, I'm halfway through, yeah, I want to say I'm three quarters of the way through Act 1, second time yeah. round, played it back to back, not bored, just want to abandon my my career to just go play this video game still, you know, in terms of engagement level. Oh, it's one of yeah. the very few games I've ever finished a 150, 160-hour playthrough and just been just as keen to start again as I was the first time around. Yeah. yeah. Interesting you say that about the, uh, the finding different characters playthrough and, like, you tried to do it the exact same way. I just remembered that I've... I've actively, not the exact same way. Not the, no, no, I know what you mean, but yeah. Some but, tweaks. But I've, I've actively tried to find the ways where I can use the characters in my party to skip certain boss fights. And I've <laughs> gone on this nightmare playthrough and I've sacrificed NPCs at the sake yeah. of skipping a boss fight because it's too hard. Yep. Like, because they just made these bullet sponged enemies. It's not the clever upscaling that you're talking yeah. about. Whereas you, it is, it is yeah, a game, so it makes a lot of sense. <laughs> So so this playthrough, I'm also trying to pick up a bunch of trophies that are challenges that would be like a cakewalk if I did this on the easiest difficulty. Oh, good. Like there's ones where like there's a there's a boss you have to fight where he's <clears throat> only he's only vulnerable when he's exposed to lava and then when he's exposed to and Dan, you I I'm trying to avoid spoilers because I know you've only played through, I think, act one. Did you I've I've played through to the end of the uh, the playtesting, whatever. I'm not even sure that but was. I'm the pretty end sure of that one. was. Okay. Did you fight? Sure. Uh, did you did you have to? Did you get to the adamantine forge? I don't think so. It's a very specific question. Okay. So so there's a mini boss that is extremely difficult to beat, and I really struggled with him. There's an environmental mechanic baked into that level design mm-hmm. and you are supposed to defeat him using the environmental um, uh, mechanics and it's still difficult. Right. So I'm, I'm, I'm trying to be as, as cryptic as I can while still having a conversation. Yeah. I kind of understand um, what you're talking about. I think I've picked, pieced two and two together, yeah. There is a fight, uh, sorry, there's a trophy where you're not allowed to use the environment at all. 
Yeah, and I'm and I'm like even on balance, that's a good challenge trophy. That's yeah, that's good. Even on balanced, I'm gonna like I really struggle to see how I would have defeated him the first time round, and the second time round, I'm now playing as as tactician mode, and I'm actually anxious because I know I'm getting to that point in the game, and I'm like, what other quests and what other parts of the map haven't I explored that I can kind of change the order of operations here so that I can be a higher level when I finally get to him? Mm. Yeah. Um. And that's the other thing I'm finding is, like, if I look at one of the side quests that didn't end up being at all important, and I really stressed about the first time around, if I Google now, how many ways can you play through this quest? There's four entry points. There's two physical entry points into the start point. So you can walk down this path. You can go around the back accidentally and just kind of wander in. There's this. There's literally four entry points in the start of the quest, and there ends up being 16 different ways that you can end the quest. And each one of those 16 ways feeds into the entry point of other quests around it. Mm. And there's like 10 quests around it. And this is where you get to the 17,000 possible endings. Mm. Is Every single quest interacts with every single other quest around it in this ever-growing circle, and it's just... I, I don't even know how you would map it as a player, let alone as the fucking development team. I mean, it's just that's that's somebody sitting there that's experienced with the the D and D game design and just gone. This is this is how this shit plays out. But it's not. But it's not even game mechanics. It's quests. Yeah. That, yeah. If but- you if you killed this person because you convinced this other person to help yeah. you, that's a different outcome than if you just killed them because you're an asshole. And that's a different. That's different again than if you killed them after failing a persuasion check and them attacking you, and yet each of those three circumstances still ended up with him dead. But the next quest giver will treat you totally differently, and and yep. then times that by the I don't know. I reckon there's maybe two hundred and fifty quests in the game, and all of them interact with each other. It's anyway. It's a, it's a lot of red string that it's, someone's tying on a, yeah, on a yeah, map. fucking yeah. oath, man. That's, like yeah. that's, <laughs> that's exactly taking- it. That's taking a real-time DM dealing with what the players are doing in real time mm. and and mentally calculating where their story's going and having the next village or the next quest giver or the return quest giver react differently to yeah. what the fuck you did. Like it's that's a that's a human preempting the the bullshit that the players are going to do. <laughs> the difference and, being and that it's it- the one thing the MCU is missing right now. <laughs> <laughs> they just a- need a good DM is what they but need. The, the yeah. other thing is a, a DM will change the ending point depending on the, the, the narrative, whereas yeah. obviously in a video game they've got to predict every possible narrative impact yeah. to land in roughly the same place hmm. because overall you're still going to the same spot. You're still going to fight the same bosses. So you'd imagine that in their development, they were just playing hours and hours of this campaign, just doing every single. You can easily understand, but bring in different different D D and D groups to play this campaign potentially. Yeah, Yeah. but you can understand why it also spent two years in early access. Yeah, Yeah. because yeah, yeah. because it was two years of players going. I wonder what happens if I kill this fucker before I even start talking to him before the quest even begins. I wonder what happens. I'm struggling with that at the moment because there are a couple of quests. There's uh, save a goblin in three different cities and then because the goblins are obviously bad guys and then there's save the tiefling refugees, which again needs you to save every single 
refugee and their piss weak little refugees in three different cities across three acts. And you're like, and you read online and it's like, oh, I killed the three bosses and then she just, the goblin just randomly died. She just literally, she was standing there one minute and then she just killed over and died and I, I missed out on the trophy. And so it's forcing me to make slightly different decisions in different orders to co- kind of try and keep everyone alive in certain circumstances. Again, I'm, I'm trying to avoid spoilers, but there's just like obviously a lot of interaction. Mm. God, I hope that's full of beer, Tom. It's straight moonshine. <laughs> Hot diggity damn. <laughs> that's why you can't We're two-stepping. Anyway, that's it for me. I'm, I'm like again. I'm, I'm seriously impressed by this game. So I look. It just, it's just sounding. It's it. sounding like more and more that it just deserves the game of the year, like awards. It's up for just game on the storytelling perspective, just from a story storytelling perspective and the way that it interacts with the game mechanics. Like I, I don't know that there's a peer to it. Hmm. So oh, and I like I've it- said to you, like it's one of the few games that's up for Game of the Year in 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 the Game Awards that's multi-platform, which should be mm. a bare minimum like requirement. Other than Xbox, it's still not released for Xbox because they've still got some bugs apparently. Because as much as, as as fanboys would like you to to ignore the fact, the hardware just doesn't keep up on certain in certain areas. Right. Mm. Yeah. Anyway, that's it for me. Definitely. I think, it's time. I think it's time. time I think it's time. I think it is. Say goodbye. Yeah. Goodbye. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I don't know. Well, thank you very much. Uh, should be some w- sort of background, like symphonic time music starts to, to play. Yeah. Say goodbye. <laughs> Boats and hoes. <laughs>